Hello, and welcome to Happy Sad Talk Thing. I'm your host, Mag and Carol, and um, that was just a little, a little taste of how I'm feeling right now. Um, yeah, you know, I hope you guys are doing great. I um, I feel like most of my friends. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I'm getting the the idea that there's a consensus that everyone is just a little exhausted right now. <laughs> so if you're exhausted and if you're feeling like the world is just too much, <laughs> I'm here to say you're not alone um, by any means. Um, but we going to be all right. That's what I keep saying. <laughs> now nah, it'll be good. Um, just got to get through. You know, I feel a little bit like cr- I'm crawling a little bit these days <laughs> but that's all right you know i mean it's all part of it it's all part of it um these are all valid normal things to feel i'm really just talking to myself right now <laughs> yeah because you know sometimes i feel out of place or wrong for having these these thoughts or feelings that sort of maybe lie on the darker part of the emotional spectrum um but all of all that does is, is add guilt to it you know like, I start to just feel bad for having a feeling, and then I have all these fucking meta-feelings, and then I'm just just drowning and trapped, and <laughs> I haven't gotten anywhere, you know? So I'm trying to just acknowledge that, uh, hey, man, this is where I'm at right now, and it's okay, and I'm going to try to, you know, maybe get some more sleep, maybe eat a little better, and, uh, you know, it's going to be all right, you know? We going to be all right! Today on the podcast is uh, Tyler McLean, who is an incredible artist. Um, he is a visual artist. He draws. He's an actor. Uh, he's an improviser. Um, and I am just a fan of his <laughs> in general. So I was excited to uh, get the chance to hang out with him, you know. And, um, yeah, we get into some really interesting stuff here that you wouldn't uh, necessarily get to talk to if you were just uh, hanging out or at a party or something. So, um once again, I'm just so stoked that uh, this podcast can be the conduit to some uh, cool ideas. And uh, we get into a lot of stuff about religion, um, which is really cool. And um, because Tyler is so articulate and insightful um, and open-minded and curious, uh, some really uh, great conversation was had. And I'm excited to share it with you guys. So here we go. Tyler voice, yeah, a little higher than I think it is. <laughs> still, still get well, not for a while, but as much as as far back as like just a year ago, still get like ma'am on the phone really? when people call. Oh man, this voice, yeah. I guess it's just gentle enough and and high enough. It's a nice voice, man. I listen to, I have some recordings of like a podcast I tried to do when I was very young. And uh, it's funny how much my voice hasn't changed <laughs> since middle school, you know. It's like stay at the same kind of high, wirey, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, nasally. Yeah. 
You did a very good impression of it the other day. Oh, I spilled a bunch of water. Well, I I sing along to my Nova Darling CD and uh, and try to mimic the vocals as well. Um, it was great, man. It's just I just want to tell the story real quick. Just you're in an improv group and like I was called up on stage and you. Uh, what was the game? It was romantic comedy. Yeah. What's the premise of the game? Like you have to. Yeah, there's just impersonate. Yeah, a person from the crowd. Two people get up. They tell a couple stories about their lives. We spin them, put a little <laughs> twist on them, and uh, bring them together. I felt like I gave you like real bad. I just was not able to think of anything interesting that day. And like, <laughs> but I needless to say that just that impression was it was like spot on. It was like really just cool to watch, man. It's based off of your CD, <laughs> which I've listened to a million times. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. I have some of them here. We can look at your awesome artwork that you did. I'm sure you already have seen this and oh, have it, but yeah. I mean, you know, people are always like, thanks again for doing that, man. People people really like that. I like it a lot. Did I tell you about, it's not how I got this image, but it's how I got the image that's on the CD itself. Oh, really? The eagle thing? This bird with a tree growing out of its back. I went to um, the Venice Strip. I hope I have that right. Um, oh, yeah, there's no... You can say anything. That's what it's called? Uh, don't want to sound like a Los Angeles noob. <laughs> um, but I um, my girlfriend at the time had an acting class. She went to the acting class, and I drove with her for the fun of driving with her. But then I found a little cafe in the middle of the night, ordered a glass of wine, and just started drawing. That sounds amazing. It was perfect. Um, so it was my pleasure, of course. Um, I love drawing and getting like a mission alongside the doodling was good for it. Man, it's fucking great, dude. And, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Like when you add a visual to a piece of music, like it really just, I I don't know. I feel like, especially because of all like the branches and the trees and stuff and kind of like nature related images, like that was a vibe that was maybe kind of missing from the recordings. And so having that on the visual side of things, like like we're a natural sounding band, I guess we're not like a folk band, but I mean like, you know, we use guitars and semi-acoustic instruments, you know, but, um, I don't know for some reason, like when like I got that, we got that drawing and everything was kind of fine. I was like, Oh man, this is like the missing piece in a way, you know, it kind of like adds this last piece of humanity that maybe wasn't there yet. That's like miraculous to me. Only that, you know, you ask someone to render a visual piece of art from something that they have had no connection to or no part mm. in creating, and yet it didn't take us a thousand images no. for you guys to be satisfied. And maybe yeah. you were just being kind. No, we were but, all um, stoked. I felt like we gave you a lot of, like, <laughs> revision tasks. Like, thank you for just being so patient and, like, we were just rushing you and just gave you no time at all. And we're just like, put this this way. <laughs> oh, man. I got to go to the, the bookstore and buy special paper and special pencils. Oh. I was living <laughs> my my little dream for man, a moment there. We should have bought you those pencils. Sorry, no, man. I use I still have them, so yeah? I still use them. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, yeah. thanks again, dude. How are you? How's it going? I'm doing well. 
I'm doing a lot more doing than I used to be doing. Mm. Um, got a job, work at a cafe in the mornings. Nice. Nature's Brew. You work at Nature's Brew? Mm-hmm. Nice. You work with uh, like Chloe and Rachel and Remy? And... I do, here and again. Nice, Remy doesn't sound familiar. I think she works in the kitchen. I don't know if she still works there, actually. I'll look out for her. Yeah. <laughs> but Rachel and yeah. Chloe, for sure. Nice. Um, and uh, And then in the evenings... I am in rehearsals for a musical that's nice. going up next week. What musical? It's called The Full Monty. Dude, fuck know. yeah. Have you heard of this one? No, but I'm pumped because I think like I'm going to try to put this out on Sunday. So if you want, do what are the dates of it? And maybe people could check it out. Ooh. All right. It opens up. <laughs> this coming week is the opening weekend. Yeah. And then it runs for one one weekend in Redondo Beach and then three weekends in uh, Fullerton. Nice. Yeah, so four four weekends of this. Heck yeah, man. It's going to be a good one. I did a lot of, not a lot of, I did high school theater in Orange County. And there was like always like a lot of, like I know Fullerton's like a theater town, you know. Like we would go see shows there and do improv festivals there and stuff like that. And like, yeah. it's a cool, it's a cool town. College yeah. town. Yeah. yeah, 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 man. You act, you sing, you do the improv stuff. Yeah, man. Um, do the drawing. Do the drawing. Yeah, a lot of little vagabond kind of scoundrel. Yeah, at work. But um, but yeah, it's a it's a transitional time. Graduated in December. Congrats, um, man. Oh, thank you. Um, Rocking. I can hear a little clapping in the back of my head. Good job. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but yeah, that comes, that's, uh, comes with a lot of excitement and discomfort as well. I've been tinkering with this metaphor of this sort of frontier scenario, um, where you've got this log cabin and this little family that's, uh, you know, been living there for a while. And then one day, you know, Dad opens the door and he gives his son a hat and a good coat and a <laughs> rifle and maybe a sack and a dog if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> and then sends you kind of walking into the frontier and and uh he closes the door of course and then if they have a nice roaring fire in there and that's yeah. the first 20 years of your life in that right. cabin. Man, I I've I've told a couple of people this that it feels like and and not just because of college but for a mm. lot of different reasons. Yeah. The first 20 years now feels kind of like the prologue. Oh shit. I know. Yeah. And that's that's a couple of things um that sort of that's got me in that that realm of thinking, but yeah, it just feels like oh that was really just getting ready <laughs> and now it's now it's really started and that's not to you know isolate myself or elevate myself or uh patronize those 20 years not at all or anyone else's 20 years you no. know that's very um just how i'm feeling but i bet people could sympathize yeah. depending on what happened in the first couple totally. months of <laughs> being done with college so, yeah. yeah chapter 1 man it's crazy like i was listening to, i forget where I heard this the other day, but when they ask, like when they have people who are like 20, 25, tell the story of their lives, it takes like, you know, an hour, <laughs> you know, to really go through everything. And then if you ask someone like older to tell the story of their life, 
it's like five minutes you know (laughs) (laughs) there's so much more to talk about but they've just you know condensed it and i feel like yeah you know they're they think in terms of the prologue and things like that that you're that you're doing stuff like that we still have so much to prove or we think we (laughs) still have so much to prove i feel like i'm out of time already though you know i feel like i fucked up not like fucked up (laughs) (laughs) i fucked up man but i just feel like uh I don't know. I feel like things are passing me by. I feel like my back is starting to hurt. Oh, <laughs> like, man. I feel so mortal, you know? Yeah. And like, it's crazy because it's like, shit, this is just the prologue, but I'm already like, there are already things that have come and gone, you know? Oh, man. A lot of firsts in young adulthood mm. that are kind of apocalyptic. Yeah. When, when you first encounter them, I think. Mm. The first time... You are filing taxes. Yeah. It's overwhelming. It's the, the first, first time I did that this year. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's all, I mean, if probably, you know, depending on who you are, the first time a serious relationship has ended. Yeah. And things really feel quite <laughs> like the end times. Apocalyptic, yeah. Um, it's just the prologue. Oh, man. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so many people made it through. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, man. It's crazy. Like, just doing taxes. Like, I'm so, so, so stressed that I was going to do something wrong oh. and go to jail or something. <laughs> you know, I was like, I feel, man, like, there's so much anxiety, you know? It's weird. Some days I feel very empowered. And not that even, like, I'm a real adult yet. You know, I'm still in the cabin, man, you know? But uh, there are some days where I look at, you know, adolescence sort of fading away and, like, uh, you know, adult life sort of you know coming up and i get really excited sometimes and i feel really empowered and i'm like oh, man i'm in the city i'm making art you know it's like this is it yeah hooray you know and then sometimes i'm just like oh no you know it's i'm, I'm fucked you know <laughs> like the the darkness is real and like i don't know you know i gotta like it's i can't pretend anymore and i gotta be mature or something and it's just crazy um, how differently I'll feel about it, you know, on a dime and stuff like that. <laughs> That's the thing, too, is, you know, your your feelings towards things are so, you know, flittering and they jump back and forth. And they're, you know, if you don't have a good rain on your emotions and, you know, if you have too much of a rain on your emotions, it's a nice yeah. balance between the two, I think. But, but yeah, they are uh, untamed. Yeah, man. Uh, and people who I talk to who are kind of emotionally unaware and like a little further out, like maybe like 30, 40 years old, they're like, oh, yeah, that. Because for me, I tend to lean towards the side of like not having as much rain, you know? And I'm like, when is this going to end? <laughs> you know, is this just the way it is? <laughs> and um, I've been told by some wise people that it's not, you know, which is empowering, you know? But, um, man there are definitely days where it's just like man <laughs> like something's got to give or something you know yeah with that emotional wrangling type of stuff you know yeah i'm very <laughs> encouraged by the this sort of idea that uh you know what you think isn't important what you do is important yeah in light of what you think so yeah as long as i uh you know take a breath in between thinking something and doing something, yeah, uh, we'll probably solve seventy five percent of my problems, which is 
are usually caused by me just thinking something and then doing without taking an extra moment yeah. to consider. Definitely. And like reacting as opposed to responding or whatever, you know? Oh man, that is a back back in the olden days in the hallowed halls of Peninsula Covenant Church. Mm. Um, I remember a pastor making that point yeah. and that really sticking with me. Like, <laughs> you know, we have to be people who respond and not react. Yeah. And it was just like, wow. What a great... I, I can get on top of that. Yeah. I think I was listening to some Buddhist lecture and I heard the same thing, you know? And it's crazy. Like, um, I don't know. Like, that's something I've been... Uh, really thinking about a lot lately is you know what what can we do in that sort of battle you know like what control do we have because i don't think it's helpless you know because if you do take a second to breathe it makes a big difference (laughs) you know and if you do you know maybe draw or go on a run or have like an apple <laughs> or something even that you know sillier that's my go-to yeah <laughs> an apple <laughs> me too it's crazy how much like m- like mental health wise having an apple <laughs> oh. <laughs> it sounds so silly it really you know? does the job it really does and 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 part of me is sort of like how ridiculous is that but part of me is also like um, how, how amazing is that you know they're so easy to get <laughs> <laughs> pretty cheap yeah. and if they have that much power then yeah it's pretty miraculous yeah but I just mean like um, I don't know there are some like you know whenever things get crazy like this last week like kind of where I am right now is like when things get busy I sort of I stop eating apples you know I start eating macaroni and cheese <laughs> you know and like yeah. I started drinking a lot of coffee again this week and I was like I, I had quit coffee for a while and I was feeling better you know and I was sleeping better and I was less irritable and I was like meditating and stuff and I was like I had a good, nice routine you know that I, I would still swing up and down you know and there was still some inevitable emotional like some things I couldn't control you know but having a routine to fall back on kind of compressed it a little bit or something like that you know oh yeah and then when things get busier and crazier and have more potential and i'm in more need of that stuff my first instinct is to always remove that stuff you know because i'm like oh there's no time to go to the grocery store and get you know a bunch of fresh food (laughs) like i'm just gonna order pizza like there's no time to go to the gym there's no time to you know take a breath or have an apple so i gotta get all the shit done (laughs) you know and then like i'm just buried in a mountain and like all that stuff that I needed, you know, was the first stuff that I cut out. And it's like crazy, you know, and I, I've, <laughs> it happens every time, you know, it happens every single time. And it's like, it's crazy, you know, being intellectually aware that what you're doing isn't working, but not being able to kind of like affect that change all the time, you know, because <laughs> like I can sit here and have this conversation with you and be like, yeah, these are the the changes I need to make or whatever, you know? And then, like, uh, I'm sure in a couple of weeks I'll be right back, <laughs> you know? And it's all part of it, you know? Like, uh, learning things over and over again. I'm just rambling away and away. <laughs> no, man. You're making sense. I'm attempting to. The um, I heard a, a quote from a... <laughs> I guess all I got is our pastor and priest quotes. I'm all about it. But 
this priest was saying, and he was quoting something else, um, some uh, Chinese quote, but he was saying, um, I hear and I forget, I see and I remember, I do and I understand, um, mm. which is which is great. Um, yeah. But I, I totally hear you with those life disciplines. Um, they're, they're usually pretty simple. They usually have great effect and they're so easy to drop because they're so simple to do. Yeah. Um, and the lack of them is quite noticeable in my life. Maybe not after (laughs) one or two days, but after a week of not doing any of them or the ones that bring about the most change, those ones, if they taper off, I really feel it. And I desire so much to be back in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting, like meeting different people and sort of ripping them off, you know, like I dated a girl who was vegetarian for a while and like, man, vegetables make you feel so good. <laughs> you know. And just, I dated a, a girl that was really into meditation for a while. And like, um, I guess for me, it's sort of <laughs> relationships, but you know, whether it's, I don't know, it's just, that's kind of the cool part about getting to know people, you know, and sort of just stealing little tricks that they have it's so wise and it's it's humble as well to admit that somebody has figured it out (laughs) a little more than you have Mm. and to imitate them in that way i think Mm. it's interesting like um i'm just you know i'm very curious just about who you are you know and i because i don't really know very much about you and so i'm excited that we can like sit down and like find out more about each other this Um, is a treat yeah because like uh well your improv comedy is like insane me and jack talk about it all the time it's just like and i'm not i'm not trying to make you uncomfortable at all but it really just seems like when when you're doing improv it's just so different than any improv that i've seen and i'm like really not an improv expert at all but i've just seen a lot of people do improv and i've like everyone there are like mostly people that are funnier than me that i'm doing improv with you know but i can kind of see where they're coming from <laughs> you know and i can sort of like trace through it so i'm like oh they're probably into these types of movies and they like these and i can sort of see their influences and you know and it happens with musicians too where i'll be like okay you're clearly listening to some paul simon and some you know jeff tweedy or whatever um but when i watch youtube improv it's like I have no idea what to expect. And it's like this delightful, like what in the world? Like, where did you come from? Like, (laughs) you know, and it's like so subtle and you like, sometimes you won't even really be making like the joke won't even be like a punchline or something. And you'll just be so developed, like enraptured in a character or something like that. I was watching you do this one scene. It was like a long form audition for like a whale play or something like that and you just came in and you just like really wanted the part and you were just like this like you know it's kind of struggling like new york actor kid and like it was just so fucking funny but not because you were making like low-hanging fruit type jokes just like the little nuances of you just getting so into that guy and just i don't know it's crazy to watch man and i'm just like curious um man (laughs) like who when you're up there trying to do improv and stuff like that, I mean, like you clearly have such a independent voice, you know, but I mean, is there any people that you sort of look to for cues or like, I mean, are you a fan of like, 
comedy and like obviously you are <laughs> i i am what a I stupid can. fucking question <laughs> i do find it and i'm not trying to ruin you or mystery or anything like that but i'm just like man how the fuck like wh- what's your where does your sense of humor come from do you know at all or is it just oh man it's probably the same comes when i don't mean to you know put myself on the same level as uh someone as iconic as david lynch but his mm. his um ability to ride the line between horror <laughs> and uh and comedy yeah so well i i guess that that's the kind of stuff that makes me laugh the most yeah so um twin peaks is a huge inspiration for me <laughs> because there are are, there are no punchlines in that <laughs> show. It's just these people that are so committed to some pretty ridiculous things. <laughs> and I think across, uh, I mean, the people that have made me laugh the most have kind of more or less echoed that unanimously. It's just, if you have a good joke, tell it. I'm usually not quick enough to formulate punchlines and jokes in the middle of scenes (laughs) i have to rely kind of on a different kind of comedy which um is just you commit very very much to the stakes and to the objectives of this character and his uh desperate need and uh (laughs) and uh the very mechanism of improv which is forcing you to you know have a play basically created by you in the moment that mechanism is going to make you do ridiculous things that are going to make people laugh and so all you can do is is kind of play as seriously i mean you could go into an improv scene i think with no intention of making someone laugh just doing a good scene you will because you can't the the games um just make your mind work at a pace Mm -hmm. that is only going to yield you know failure (laughs) which is which is part of improv of course yeah 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 that's awesome but i love gilbert godfried too yeah (laughs) he just that you can shout and eventually people will start laughing because the shouting (laughs) it's the sam kennison thing too have you ever seen sam kennison i've listened to a lot of comedy podcasts and i've heard that name a lot my i gotta get into goodness that guy. sakes he i mean he so i guess i'm gonna get the story wrong and someone's gonna i hope you don't bear the the heat <laughs> that i create Dude. but he <laughs> used to be a preacher or was going to be a preacher mm. and then he had an accident i think it had something to do with a car like got hit by a car got in a car crash yeah and when he got done recovering he left that life and became a stand-up comedian <laughs> and so he has this voice that is a preacher's like boom a baptist like, like screamy kind of voice yeah but now he tells jokes and it That's is amazing. just it is so funny the comedy that assaults you into laughing like you just <laughs> it's so powerful vocally and yeah. volume wise that you can't yeah. help but laugh at it and that i guess that comes from sort of the base of a joke or why people laugh is they're surprised. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't laugh unless you weren't expect. I mean, you're not expecting to laugh. Yeah. You just, you do. It's a surprise. Yeah. So I guess that is surprising to have someone shouting at you <laughs> and not meeting you any ill will, just be shouting yeah. at you. It's already sort of a discomforting thing to have happen. Yeah. And if you're not in any danger of being hurt, 
yeah by a shouting person then you're gonna probably start laughing yeah i don't know yeah but yeah i love those guys i find myself in my comedy now and i gotta watch it because it, it strays from sort of what you were talking about which is that committed character who makes people laugh only because he's i didn't mean to pigeonhole you into that but that's just one element of your comedy that, oh, I'm, sort of, that I'm a fan of i know? love that kind and the kind that sometimes works for me and oftentimes won't is when i try to either make a joke or call too much attention to the failures that we've already made in the scene (laughs) or i just start yelling in a scene (laughs) like i mean you know we're on the lawn we do improv outside is what i mean by that phrase we do it on the lawn um so we are constantly having to yell over things yeah that's a tough fucking thing like dynamically you know it is i've i've done maybe not as much improv outside but i'll perform with an acoustic guitar in like a sports bar or something and it's horrible you know because you you, you, when you lose dynamics like and when you get quiet there's still a bass level volume around when you guys it's bikes going by and you know the outside world and you know if i'm in a bar or something it's the television it's people having conversations it just ruins a lot of um like what you're able to do like your range you know when you if you if you're in like a performance space like you know if you guys are at ground zero even ground zero can get kind of rowdy sometimes but if you guys are in like a theater where people are intentionally listening like you can just do so much more you know and like yeah it's just i don't know that's an interesting sort of correlation but I wonder if I could even get away with subtlety on the lawn. I can to- subtlety. That's, that's what it is. That's what yeah. I love about Ground Zero is when I'm there in, in any sort of performance cafe where we have a little bit more control over the sound. I don't yeah. have to. I can cock my <laughs> head in just a certain way, and people will start oh, yeah. laughing. Yeah, and that's I, what it's all about. You can't, it's harder to do that on the lawn, dude. I, I did it. I, my I don't, and I don't mean to be like I was in a, I was on a pretty bad improv team in high school, but it's oh, just like it, I I was fascinated by it, you know. And um, we uh, practiced in this like black box theater, man. It was maybe like four times the size of this room. Okay, but it was bigger than this room, but I mean, like, um, it was just insane because they would make us do. I went to high school with like twenty five hundred kids, and they would make us do like the rallies, you know, in the gym. <laughs> in the round, you know, so we'd be in the middle of the basketball court trying to do our subtle facial expressions, <laughs> you know. And everyone's wondering what's yeah. going on, and yeah. it was just horrible, <laughs> you know. We do this show, um, that our troop does this show every year for Relay for Life, and mm. they they set up a stage in the middle of the track while these people are walking around the track yeah. and they hand us microphones and <laughs> the audience could be anywhere from, you know, 25 feet away from us to a hundred feet away. And there's just, <laughs> if we don't tell jokes and good yeah. jokes, yeah. they're not going to care for a second. We, there's yeah. n- none of that sort of Nuance character and... being committed to something is yeah. going to play. Or it's... arc or like, you know, referencing something 10 minutes ago that happened. Right. They want dirty <laughs> words. Yeah. They want, <laughs> yeah, they want screaming. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. It's interesting. Like just, I mean, from like a, it's interesting. It's hard as a solo artist. Like, like when you have a rock band, you have a little bit more control over your acoustic environment because like, you're just so fucking loud. <laughs> That when you get quiet, it's really not that quiet anyways, you know? But when I just have an acoustic guitar, and I, I've made... It's nice, like, as I write more songs, I have more options, you know? But there have just been so many shows where it's just been really loud, and I'm just like, 
man, I can really only do like shouty songs that I have or like, you know, cause people aren't, don't want to listen to full fledged stories if they're half ass paying attention and also watching the angels game behind you, <laughs> you know? So it's like, uh, yeah, you get the, like, there's, you, you gotta have like bar songs, you know, yeah. which is a lesson I've still learning, you know, cause I'll go and try to do my s- singer songwriter bullshit <laughs> you know and, and tell really long stories and be like uh. <laughs> you know <laughs> and like uh just no one cares you know or it's oh, just man. it's hard even if people do care it's hard for them it's just hard for that type of performance to happen in that type of space yeah that's wacky you know mm. <laughs> but i also wanted to um yeah, just talk to you about. Uh, I don't mean to just be like, and now this, you know. No, no. <laughs> Thank you. You know. Yeah, of course. There's thanks for thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. It it is a pleasure because we've we've you know interacted and had ex- have experienced enjoyment of each other for a while yeah. now, but without ever, you know, sitting in a room and what are they? What's the, consummating our friendship? <laughs> we haven't consummated our friendship. Yeah, yeah. That's honestly like a nice reason, like to have this podcast for me. You know, because it's not like a huge thing by any means, but it's like it's enough of a thing where people will be like, "Oh, I'll come do it." You know, because like maybe my friends will listen to it or whatever. And uh, I've just like I've made some friends straight up from doing this. You know, yeah, well, you've got a nice font. You've got a nice. You got a nice theme song. You got a nice, <laughs> a nice W slash Mac and Carol. That thanks, man. I uh, cool. appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah, no, I put a lot of effort into making it for sure. Um, yeah. But it's nice because like there have been a couple of people, sort of like what you just described, where it's like I see you around and like we talk for a couple of minutes and it's always so fun. And then it's like kind of friend of a friend type things. And uh, like I know that we have similar friends and similar interests. And then it's just like, but there's no necessarily like an excuse to get to know the person or something like that, you know? Yeah. Which is interesting for a lot of reasons. You can't just overtly just be like, (laughs) hey, let's sit down and talk for two hours. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Helps to have microphones and stuff. But um, yeah, man. Yeah, I can't talk to anyone without (laughs) a microphone and headphones on. Yeah. That's ever since I started this podcast, I don't have real conversations anymore. Right. I do have noticed this really greedy part of my brain that's like, anytime I'm having a cool conversation, I'm like, fuck, I should be podcasting this <laughs> <laughs> Well, because it's what you're doing, of course, yeah. and it's important to you. It is. It's very important to me, man. So your mind's going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's interesting. Like, uh, I had my teacher on a couple weeks ago and it was cool because like, uh, he teaches a class every day, you know, and I only have ever known him as like a lecturer, you know, and then I got to come in and like, just talk to him as just like a dude, you know, and like an artist and kind of see his arc as a person and stuff. And it was rocking, you know, totally. But you're here now, you know, where, where are you from? Who are you? Who were you like as a child? No, oh boy. I, I can take a lot of comfort in that it appears to me and to other people that I've come a long way since my childhood. Really? <laughs> um, 
I wasn't a bad kid by any means. And certainly, you know, and with respect to my, my brothers, of course, my older brother made all the big mistakes and I, you know, learn from them i wonder i, I wonder what boat. my life would have been like without my older brother would i have yeah. just been a slightly different version of him dude my brother's great by the way my older brother and he and he eventually applied himself like a like a champion and um and works like a dog and has a wonderful um existence in the bay area now but um but yeah there was just so many moments where he would do something that was your classic you know, first child mistake. Yeah. And I would just dart the other way. And that made all the difference. Um, and it's kind of funny thinking about how my younger brother must be doing now because he has both of us. He's seen right, kind of this, a lot of mistakes being made and then a lot of counter life choices. And now he gets to make his decision mm. and he's make and he chooses from both pots. Right. He takes a little bit after, my older brother and a little bit after me and of course has his own heart mind and soul as well that right. guides him in yeah. a unique direction but um but yeah i'm from belmont california which is kind of smack dab in the middle of san francisco and san jose up yeah. in the bay area didn't know when i was a kid that i was growing up in one of the most affluent areas in the world um and now i go home and i become more and more aware of that fact Mm. um i live on land that used to belong to horses (laughs) and they were driven out for um for the building of this street called ralston ranch road yeah which you know used to be a ranch now it's a road full of uh, rich people Um, i like the idea of horses being like this is our land (laughs) right and the funniest thing too is if you go to the bottom of the hill there's still like two horses in a pretty small like corral um which you know you feel bad they used to they're like kings that have been jailed and they have to watch their kingdom kind of be ruled by somebody else yeah um (laughs) but i man when i was a kid of course you know my my parents did a good job um instilling values and 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 stuff like that. But I certainly was one of those kids that just mm. wanted to watch TV all the time. And, yeah. uh, and only, I only started reading books for pleasure kind of in like the middle of high school and then mm. dropped it for a while and then picked it back up in college. Like I just didn't I'm read the books. Same way, man. <laughs> and because of it, I read, I read very slowly because I just Me haven't had, been used to it. And I think yeah. that is directly correlated. We just didn't read as much as everyone else. Nope. So everyone else speeds their books and yeah. it's like, Oh, this is going to take me a couple months. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I literally have had this book in my bag for, it's been like six or seven months now. You yeah. know, I'm the same exact way, man. No, I'm like, bless you. I'm always so jealous. Like, cause I feel like all my cool friends who I really admire were kids that read a ton as you know or people that read a ton as kids you know and like every girl that I've ever dated has always been just like incredibly more well read than I've been (laughs) you know trying to catch up and I've been reading some great stuff Um, what are you reading right now well I'm reading and it's been a while um, but I've been reading the Phaedrus which is one of Plato's books oh I haven't heard of it um yeah, it's just this. Uh, it's 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 written in a play form, like dialogue, like mm. Socrates, who is Plato's teacher, yeah, speaks. Then Phaedrus speaks, and so it's written kind of like a play script. But it's it's just about love 
and about um, uh, rhetoric and things like that. Nice. All, all that Plato stuff um, <laughs> that he was so, you know, yacked on about for so long. But it's a very beautiful. Um, yeah. He, Plato has Socrates um, give an initial speech about love, countering a speech that Phaedrus is so excited about. He brings it to Socrates and goes, this amazing speech about love. And it's full of rhetorical errors and it's not that great. And Socrates is kind and gentle, but gives his speech. And he is also displeased with his own speech. So he gives the second speech, which is this very famous speech about Mm. um, love and about the human condition. Um, He talks about the charioteer that has these two horses and one is constantly striving upwards and one is constantly striving downwards. And the charioteer has this ability to, give more rain to one or give more rain to the other or try to find a balance. Um, but typically not finding a balance and having one kind of become the dominant horse. Yeah. One is sort of your base instincts and your wild human emotionally driven nature. And one is sort of the idyllic logic that's yeah helping you to learn and become better. And, uh, of course he suggests that you follow that one, but, um, it but admits that there are two so that's we're going now you know i don't want this to become me (laughs) talking about phaedrus but it is it's a fascinating book and fascinating i'm kind of on the richie stores um book book list i guess and richie stores is Mm. with an old comedus member yeah who um who is an inspiring figure for me um he's a very well-read person and uh and reads books like that. He gave me yeah. The Art of War and he gave me really? um, Siddhartha and stuff like that. Yeah. And just these books that are very much of the soul. Um, yeah. It's important to have those people. You yeah, know, yeah. To find those people and sort of be like, give me the books, give me the movies. Yeah. <laughs> give me the records. Like, He would bite me if I said this. But he, I, I, I remember after reading Siddhartha being like, wow. It's you're like my Siddhartha and I'm like your Grovinda, his little sidekick friend. Um, Or you're like my Socrates and I'm like your Plato. Um, And uh, he he's a humble guy, so he wouldn't take that too well. But (laughs) but um, but yeah, no, he's he's supplied me with some great material. um, And the Phaedrus is good. It was interesting what you're saying a hot second ago about because I have two siblings as well. You know, but I'm the youngest, so I'm in that third slot. And uh, this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, too, is just, like, I feel like a lot of my personality is, like, a synthesis of maybe those people, like a Richie or something like that, where you're like, man, I want to read those guys' books, (laughs) you know? But then there's this antithesis as well, where it's like, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to be the exact opposite of that, you know, whether it's a family member or something like that. And that's just a really interesting idea for me. You know what I'm saying? Like how much of my personality is like me wanting to copy someone and, and how much of my personality is me rejecting things that I see, you yeah. know, and different things like that. And it's interesting um, because it wasn't as clear cut. Like I, I love the idea of like your little brother, like seeing like one end and the other <laughs> end and him like, you know, <laughs> having this kind of third third shot 
at it, which is really interesting. You know, I doubt, and he never saw it that way. Right. Of course, <laughs> it wasn't like he was going the Jack option or the Tyler option. No, Jack's my older brother. Mark's my younger brother. You know, but, and it's I'm not implying that anyone is right or wrong or like that it's like a parable or something. But sure, it's cool to kind of I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to just sort of uh, look at yourself and be like, man, like. <laughs> Am I this way because I want to be this way or because I don't want to be some other way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of like uh, fear being your uh, initiate, which is yeah. which is strange. Um, I think, you know, obviously fear has some benefit or else, you know. Yeah. But cautionary, I guess a cautionary tale more than fear right out. But uh Yeah. Of course, it's wise to learn from other people's mistakes. Of course, yeah. It's why we study history. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely, man. It's wacky to me. Um, And it's just going to sound so dumb. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Just when you read, you know, things that are written a long time ago and that just like hit you real hard, you know. And uh, I haven't read much Socrates, but just, you know. Oh, isn't that crazy? Just realizing, like, man, people were exactly the same. <laughs> that is the truth. And hearts were just the same, you know, and, like, we've come so far or whatever as a society, and I feel like we, we're very self-congratulatory in that sense, and we like to be like, man, look at all the shit we've done right, you know? And I then can't you, believe it. You, you know, it's just interesting because I feel like there are certain maybe scientific or, um, yeah, I guess scientific ways where we're more like linearly like progressing as people you know but then i feel like in the matters of of the heart and of the spirit and things like that that everyone kind of starts from the same spot you know it seems so much more cyclical than uh yeah linear yeah Yeah. nice because yeah how how (laughs) how could plato like be dealing with the same things that I am dealing with, yeah. you know, or, or he's at least thinking about those things or even <laughs> further back or, or, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it does seem like, uh, though the buildings have gotten taller or the, mm-hmm. the, you know, communication has gotten simpler. It seems like the, the base problems and the most important things have remained the same for, centuries and centuries yeah which is interesting you know i i think i was reading i i i do a lot of quotes of quotes of quotes of stuff yeah me too <laughs> yeah that's why i'm trying to do more reading so i could just start directly quoting people you know but um there was some conversation happening on a podcast one time i think it was joe rogan or something um and they were talking about like sort of that like has humanity progressed like morally at all you know since like the dawn of man and like there was some book apparently written by some very smart guy that was like you know that calculated all the you know murders or somehow and obviously estimated and things like that but was just saying that's just like slowly you know we're learning (laughs) which is interesting because you know you can read a book from 2000 years ago you know and uh have it just be totally transformative and um but then it's it's just it's just interesting to be like you know are we 
are we heading anywhere with any of this? <laughs> you know, or are we just gonna keep coming back and picking up the books and oh yeah, trying to write new ones or something? And who has a super great perspective on that? I mean, <laughs> you'd have to be immortal to just to yeah. see it all, um, you know, or just you know floating up somewhere watching it all the years pass by. I don't know. Do you watch Derek comedy at all? Derek comedy? Yeah. No. Do you know who? Uh, no, it's okay. It's this. It's kind of semi obscure uh, YouTube like sketch series. You know who Donald Glover is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in this. So, like, before he was uh, on the show Community and before he, like, kind of had a stand-up career and before, like, the, all the Childish Cambino stuff, like, he was in this, like, YouTube's kind of sketch group called Derek Comedy. And they have this one sketch called Thomas Jefferson where the <laughs> premise of the sketch is that Thomas Jefferson is discovered to be this, like, immortal being, you know, who's been alive through all of time. And it's like a breaking story, and they're trying to interview him, but all he wants to talk about is like his his new band that he's in. <laughs> he's just trying to plug his like soft rock band. <laughs> oh wow! And he's just like talking like, and so it's it's Donald Glover trying to interview Thomas Jefferson, and like he's just like, is is time cyclical or is it linear? Like you know, like or you could even tell us like the original intent of the founding fathers, and he's just like. Yeah, we're playing at like Tommy's bar tomorrow <laughs> night, and like you gotta hear Jerry's sweet licks, man. <laughs> That's great. And it's it's a pretty funny sketch. Oh boy. <laughs> but um, maybe maybe there's a deeper point there. After after all that perspective, all you want to talk about, all you want to exist in, is the present. <laughs> and the present for Thomas Jefferson in, at that point is his band and he's not concerned about the past or yeah. the future. Well that's like where that. that's where the sketch sort of evolves to, you know. And is him just kind of erupting at this interviewer and saying, like, you think I like give a shit anymore? Yeah, <laughs> like I've right. seen the same things play out over and over again. And the only thing that still surprises me is how bad this guy's guitar yeah, <laughs> licks are every time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, Sounds like some good minds. Yeah, it's good. It's good shit, man. It's really funny. It's just um, me and my a lot of memories with my sister in like middle school. Just like back in the days when YouTube, like you know, wasn't like an institution yet. You know, and it yeah. wasn't like a m massive media corporation, and it was just like there were just a couple of funny videos on there. <laughs> I remember that time, like two thousand four times. Man, I remember we had a high school football team um championship game and we lost some small technicality or some bad referee call or something like that mm. and i remember my my dad saying oh the play it was you know it was filmed because it was championship game and it, it's on youtube and me being like i have no idea what that is like just not having a a logo in my mind i, I pictured like tubes or a little orange liquid i don't know I, I mean i yeah. i was making up a logo in my head for a website that i yeah. wanted to know because everyone seemed to know what it was yeah oh i don't even remember what year that was must have been like 2004 or something like that but boy yeah it's interesting um i don't know i feel like every age has its like get off my lawn remember records remember vcrs you know and I feel like we're just going to be like, there was a time when Facebook wasn't around. Yeah. We had to text our friends. AIM <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. Like, 
just experiencing like um a lot of internet stuff when it was just kind of in its infancy you know and so now everything's really like regulated and stuff like that but just back in the day like remember when like the internet was just like like you would just go to like funnyjunk.com oh, yes. or addicting games <laughs> so easy addicting games yes miniclips.com yeah yeah for for games that was yeah. less clear we didn't know what that was someone had to tell you go to miniclips yeah. What, what, what do I want with mini clips? No, no, no. There's games there. Yeah, I promise. Exactly. When you had, yeah, it was weird, you know. Like, and now the internet is, you know, just changed a lot. And uh, but it's just wacky <laughs> to think about that sort of early mid two thousands time of the internet. You oh, know, yeah. when like MySpace and like LimeWire were things that existed. <laughs> you know, it just really kind of like awkward transitional platforms. You know. Oh yeah. Because now I feel like we've semi-landed in a way. Like, obviously, things are changing all the time, but... It's like a paradigm. Yeah. That's how everyone does things now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird, man. I find myself on Facebook all the time and never enjoying it. But I'm on Facebook, all like, all the time. <laughs> you know? And it's it's almost... I feel like it's almost hack to say that now. You know? Like, I feel like everyone knows that everyone hates social media, but everyone's, like, on social media all the time. You know? And I think it's really great for a lot of stuff, but I don't know. I just find myself most of the time I'm just like just scrolling and then I'll like call myself out. I'm like, I hate that I'm just scrolling, you know, and then I'm like, well, I'm voluntarily participating in this, you know, I like I don't have to do this at all. And then I and then I keep doing it, you know, and it's, yeah. just, it's such a wacky cultural phenomenon because I feel like a lot of people are fed up with it, but we're all just kind of passively just like, yeah, but. Well, you know, also, you're just going to keep looking at these videos or whatever, you know? Um, I, you know, as long as you know why you're doing it and you're doing it for that reason, <laughs> then you're good. You know, if you're taking a break and you say, you know, I'm the reason why I'm here is because I'm taking a break or you're here because you want to catch up on somebody else's happenings yeah. or whatever it is. It is when it when when you lose consciousness of why you're there. It's just sort of this mindless sort of like a default. Like, yeah. Uh, like it's scary. I'll just open up a browser and just start typing in Facebook without even thinking about it and be like, what, "Why? What? <laughs> you know? That's just like what I do when I go to the internet. I just go to Facebook.com. You know? Oh yeah. And it's just this weird sort of default, wacky thing that happens. <laughs> there's plenty of good things to do there it's just a question yeah. of whether you do them all in one sitting or you you do it here and there yeah there's also a lot of dark i don't know it's a place it's not good or bad you know i think maybe that's the place i'm trying to <laughs> realize it's just like i don't know it's it's just easy to scroll through and be cynical but there's yeah there's also like i don't get the, i get to talk to my grandpa i get to see little videos of my cousin i get to promote my band i get to this podcast is only a thing that people get to listen to because of facebook you know and like oh, yeah there's a there's little communities there you know but there's also just like a lot of stuff it's just like i'll tell you bernie sanders wouldn't be as popular as he is <laughs> without facebook that's all my feed is, <laughs> Bernie Sanders, and then people posting like covers of like b crazy bass guitar stuff because I have like all these bass player friends, <laughs> and they just post these like crazy bass slap solos, you know thing. Yeah, so it's just Bernie Sanders and bass guitars. You know? Oh, the big bees, big bees. <laughs> yeah. 
Ja, men. <laughs> if you if you had been in the room with us, I was just you know pondering so hard Facebook for a second, and then I let it go. No man, I uh, my host my host skills are like depleted today. <laughs> I'm so drained. I apologize. How's your sister? Which sister? I have two sisters. Oh my! Well, how am sister? I supposed to know? <laughs> <laughs> they're both good. Oh good. Yeah, they're both doing all right. Uh, my oldest sister, Samantha, um, she's been sober for like seven months now. Oh. She's like a heroin addict for a while. And uh, it's sort of interesting, sort of like uh, like how you were talking about, like watching someone go through some stuff that you think if you were in their place, you might just be a slightly different version of them, you know? And in a lot of ways, I'm just like, man, like just genetically there was just a lottery that happened. And like, maybe just because of my slot that I am the person that I am, you know? Um, yeah, but she's doing good, man. It's, it's like, a any person like, you know, when you, anyone has a family member that's like struggles with addiction and stuff, it's like up and down, you know, and there's a million, this is the last time. This is the last straw, <laughs> you know, um, but she's doing good right now, you know, and that's all you can, uh, that's all you can hope for, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's been cool. It's weird because, uh, we had a nice Easter recently and my family is like not really religious, you know, they're semi-religious. I think they want to be religious. Like we would, uh, I went to Catholic school, um, and I semi-identified as Catholic for a while as a, as a child. Um, but it was always this like obligation type of thing, you know, and we never really talked about God or the Bible or anything. But if like people came over for dinner, we would like say grace, you know? So there's this weird, and my mom like hung a lot, like she was really into crosses as like art, you know? And so there was like lots of religious artifacts around our house. So I think like, and I don't think she was like trying to trick everyone into thinking we were this really faithful family or something, but maybe on the sub sub subconscious level. And maybe I think this is kind of just a theme a lot in just like white suburban America of just like, we should be Catholic. (laughs) 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 And like, um, Oh boy. I don't know. And, and like, uh, I don't know. I, and I, so I went to Catholic school and I was sort of like, I sort of vaguely been raised with a sense of God and stuff. And I was like, I never really felt super included in it. And I was like a classic, like just cynical kid, you know? But I, I always remember like wanting to be, you know, and I went to Catholic school and like, or whatever. And like I did my communion, like I confirmed and things like that. And, um, I just rem- and like I, I would have scripture classes and things like that, and I just spent a lot of time as a as a sort of classic like teenager, just folding my arms and being like, bah, 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 you know, and find like there's I feel like it's a pretty popular modern stance. Not that there's anything wrong with that stance, but I just there's a it was very kind of popular to be in a cynical atheist type of kid, you know? And I definitely like embodied that for a while. And then I dated this girl who was like, but as I, I was, I, I don't know. I always felt something there, you know? 
and like uh i started singing in the choir at my high school and it it, it went from this switch of just like when i would go to mass and it would be this like <laughs> you know um <laughs> i would go to mass and i'd be forced to sing these ridiculous songs about jesus you know and i just like you had to embrace it you know if you were going to stand up there and pretend to be too cool for those songs, like you were just a jerk, you know? And then like all of a sudden, like, you know, you start sarcastically singing them and then you start, and then the sarcasm drops away and the irony drops away and you're just really genuinely like, (laughs) if I trust in my God (laughs) and like, um, I don't know. It was really interesting going to that school for a lot of reasons. Um, I met a lot of, it was because I had a lot of friends that went to public school and stuff like that. So I feel like I had a semi understanding of what like people's perception of religion was and what my perception of the Catholic church was. Um, and then like I got really involved in like ministry and stuff like that. Um, not necessarily being theistic myself, but really just being into like the kind of community aspect of it. And like they would go on all these retreats and like, I was just like, there were just these really awesome times for self-reflection and, you know, and like just people like being nice and, you know, creating environments where you could love other people and, and, and sort of talk about those types of things was, was really interesting to me. And, um, I got, I dated this girl who was really into meditation and she was like, she left all these kind of like spiritual books in my car. And then I started listening to all these podcasts, these like Buddhist podcasts, you know, I got really into that and like started reading, you know, Jack Cornfield and Pema children and like Noah Levine and like all these guys, you know, and, (laughs) and just started like, um, and, and then I, like at one point, sorry for just going on this rant, but we're, I love it. it. (laughs) Um, cause at the beginning of the conversation, we sort of started on this, like, the same quote from the pastor and the and the spiritual teacher. Um, and I sort of at one point sort of like, okay, maybe I'm not a Catholic person. And I started to sort of like identify like maybe more of as, as a Buddhist person, you know, which I still feel uncomfortable about because I don't really necessarily belong to a denomination. And there are a lot of s- denominations of Buddhism that I, I don't think I would, I wouldn't qualify for, <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of very like, strict ones where it's like, you know, you have to be vegan and, um, yeah, you know, entertainment is bullshit and <laughs> things like that. But there's also, uh, like, you know, just meditation groups and people that meet around LA and stuff like that. And I don't know, there's somewhat of a community and I like to listen, I like to read these Eastern philosophy books and I don't know, but the more I got into that, the more I started to get into Christianity in this weird way where it like, I stopped approaching it as like someone trying to convince me of something or make me believe something. And I started to approach it. And like, this has kind of been, I don't know, it was a very formative for me time for me in that sort of spiritual quest, you know, that I'm still on. But, uh, I just would start to go to church and be like, like, uh, okay, maybe I won't fold my arms. Like maybe this can be as transformative as anything you know (laughs) and like i don't know i listen to a lot of um duncan trussell family hour which is this podcast and this guy like he'll just talk about you know anything and he'll talk about 
Satan, and he'll talk about Baphomet and these different demonic figures, and he'll sort of speak in those terms. And then he'll, like, extremely genuinely, like, talk about a parable and talk about, you know, maybe the, you know, Saul's conversion or something like that, and just from that extrapolate this beautiful transformative thing. And and just that was, like, a very mind-blowing time for me because it was like, you know, why would I shy away from this type of stuff like I don't know I I got I, I used to be very obsessed with sort of like theological conversations from the perspective of like logic you know and I, there was just a point in my life where I was just like man that's such a boring conversation <laughs> you know it's just like God exists God doesn't exist like ah my friend Bella um <laughs> and like okay like that's fun like but does it matter? You know, <laughs> what What I think might be a more interesting conversation, and this is sort of where I am now, is like, you know, what can we learn from this type of stuff, you know? And like, you know, I think that anything can be transformative. I think that, you know, the teachings of Christ can be transformative. I think an episode of Adventure Time can be transformative. And like, that might be like sacrilegious or something to say. I think a Beatles record, you know, and, uh, a podcast <laughs> that I'm listening to or something. And like, I don't know. I went on this really weird, uh, sort of, I don't know. And, and just going to Catholic school and just sort of having that fear of God, like instilled in me in some way. And like the music I kind of lean towards has these little sacred touches to it, you know, like father John Misty and Paul Simon and just these people that just, they kind of, you know, it's not worship music by any means, but it's like, it just includes God in the metaphor in some degree or, or will speak in those terms or something like that. And I think just having a semi-Catholic past that speaks to me in some way, you know, but just the ideas of like people and ritual and mythology, you know, and transcendence and like, like so many amazing aspects of religion that sort of get tied in with things that, people tend to get upset with which to me are more like political issues you know people get very tied up in politics and stuff and sort of dismiss all this amazing stuff and like there was a time when i would do that you know and i would fold my arms and write these little soapbox songs about (laughs) you know how the church wasn't for me you know and um i don't know it's like i taught jesus camp one time and like (laughs) (laughs) like I did this total 180 thing you know and um it was weird because I like I'm I'm it's not like I don't I'm pretty agnostic you know and I know that's like a pretty lame stance to take (laughs) but to me like the existence of God or, or whatever like it's not really what interests me you know um it's more like people and like I don't know that stuff can just I don't know like whenever people come together there's there's power there and uh, just to I, I don't know I used to kind of write it all off and um, and there's a part of me that like ironically sort of like um, will include that <laughs> like I'll just because I think culturally mentioning Jesus Christ in a conversation is a very polarizing thing you know and regardless of your, you know, theological preference or whatever, just to 
the cultural effect of as soon as you say Jesus, like a certain amount of people will have a very specific response and will will dismiss everything you say and attach an asterisk to it. They're like, uh oh, he's one of those guys, <laughs> you know. And a certain other people will then like believe everything you say, you know, and sort of do the opposite of that. And I just think that like, I don't know. There's just so much interesting culture surrounding um, that type of stuff, you know. But um, I don't know. For me, it's weird because sometimes I'll sort of like just to see, see if I can screw with people or something, start talking about Jesus ironically, maybe for a second. And then it, the irony will drop away like almost immediately. And then I'm in a very genuine conversation about <laughs> Christ, you know, and it's like um, and it's strange because I'm not uh, I don't really identify as a Christian or a Catholic Um but I know a lot of good Christian people, you know, and I think that the public perception of Christianity is pretty skewed, you know, and strange. And, like, I feel like most people's idea of Christianity are, like, the people that stand outside the Coliseum with the, like, you know, yellow and black signs just, like, saying he's spitting hellfire and brimstone and that type of stuff and, like, you know, like, shouting at kids to, to pay for their sins <laughs> and stuff like that and, like, maybe sort sort of fundamentalist ideas and just there I think there are maybe a lot of people that don't think that there's room for compassionate rational faith in like a modern person's life and like it's just been interesting meeting a lot of people that are like that in the last couple of years and being like whoa <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um i think that what comes to mind when people hear Jesus' name um, typically are verses either like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah. Things like that. Or um, or things like, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Mm. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Mm. Um you either get that um, or you get a overall branching statement of love. Like it's either one or the other and it's usually pretty broad and people's understanding of Jesus and his teachings sort of are culminated in those two things. Whereas you read any four of the gospels um, and you realize that he is a teacher and he has many things to say. Yeah. And a lot of them, there are a couple that, of course, fall into a mysterious category of, we'll be thinking about that one for a while. But yeah. I think a majority of them are very simple, very <laughs> practical. And yeah. um, and really, for our benefit, he says, he says once, um, he, he's constantly talking about people's misperception about the Sabbath day. And how it should be practiced. He's always getting ridiculed for like, you're doing this on this. You can't do you. <laughs> damn it, Jesus. You can't do that. Yeah. And he goes, oh, my gosh. Um, and one time he says to them. Um, Isn't there some story about some guys in a hole and they won't like they right. won't dig him out of the hole? That's or one. He it's says, like, if you would any one of you who has a, a son or an ox, if it falls into a well on the Sabbath day, would you not immediately pull it out? Would you wait till Monday? <laughs> Or, or Sunday. And um, yeah. another time he says, which I think is, this really hit me when I had read it for the first time was, 
the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Mm. Um, which I think, you know, and I'm just tinkering here. I'm just thinking, you know, I don't want to make any big statements here. But Me too. Neither did I mean to make those. In, you know, oh, no, I think we're in a safe spot rants. here. <laughs> but, um, but if that is true, then how many other things about religion are made for us? Not just we are made to fulfill this, but they're made for us to make us yeah better or to give us more peace um yeah our insider further our compassion in some way you know yeah that's a really nice like reduction <laughs> <laughs> well that's another great thing about jesus is he uh he summarizes things very well <laughs> he says uh what is it? The the whole Old Testament, all those books, <laughs> all that history, all that poetry and, and, and wise sayings, yeah. all that stuff. He culminates in two sentences. He says, um, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments, he says. <laughs> and everyone's going, Whoa. okay (laughs) you know that's quite a lot um to do he definitely spoke with a lot of authority that's pretty punk rock when you think about it you know in those times when you know people were barbaric as fuck and this guy comes along and he's like yeah all that all those very specific rules it's really just you know love people (laughs) man that that was the biggest change for me in terms of how I practice um, religiously or how I even look at church. It's, uh, it's those moments where I, when I need it, when you, when I was a kid, I did the same thing. It was just like, all right, time to pull out my little piece of paper and start drawing. Cause this means nothing to me. And I, yeah. you know, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Um, and then and I, I, for me, this is especially true of, the Catholic mass procedure, but it becomes very meditative. The call and response, the simple hymns that you, that everyone's able to learn in two seconds. You know, it was always me pushing it out and just trying to distract myself as opposed to like leaning into the ritual aspect of it. You know, it's so, I mean, it's so easy and so understandable to look at all the stringent and uh, kind of, I don't know, just careful attention to how everything goes. And it, it makes you, it makes it seem like, how could this possibly be spiritual? Everything is planned out to a T, but, um, but it really is incredible how something so planned out like that just really reads in your soul and in your mind as meditation. Like you go, Mm. you know that this part's coming whatever sort of hormonal response you've built up to that in the past is getting ready to cycle through again. And those moments that you love are going to continually be awesome for you. Yeah. And it's interesting for me, like within any kind of structure, like that there can be really just unpredictable chaotic moments built in because of that structure, you know, and like you place these limits on things and these like specific boundaries and that that it's, it can be, you can have these completely unrestricted little pockets in there, you know, and whether it's like, you know, sitting down and, and watching your breath for 10 minutes every day, which is a very structured, rigid thing, but can be this, 
you know, open floodgates and just be completely transformative and wild, you know, or, you know, going through this very specific ritual at mass or something, you know, Yeah. which is wild. <laughs> Man, I've never been more down. Like I used to, it's been a long road to now, but I, uh, I dig those teachings. I mean, also, mm. I don't, I don't think Jesus would disparage a good thing if it came from somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm, if adventure time was around, <laughs> I don't think he would find that terrible <laughs> or sacrilegious. Um, mm. yeah. I don't want to speak for Jesus. Let me, <laughs> I am not the spokesman. I do. Let me, let's, let's clear it now. <laughs> it's actually funny that I say that though, because like, as a, if, if you do claim to be a Christian, you do take on the responsibility of sort of being a spokesperson. Yeah. Which, uh, which I realized just when I said that, I was like, Oh, I, well, maybe it's just more about being careful and not denying that you're the spokesman <laughs> of Jesus Christ. But, um, that that really plays in a lot like you you see the christians that are i don't know more or less attaining a bad name for the faith or they are doing things that are contradictory to the message of jesus and you yeah. realize that like i'm like man i know some atheists that are way more christian than this oh, yeah. some of these christians <laughs> i mean they don't they don't um they either have forgotten or they haven't read it in the first place but I mean, when people say, like, the Lord speaks to me this way, mm. you know, there's a lot of mystery in that, like, you know, but there's not a lot of mystery in reading what is written already and, and doing that, um, which as a disciple of Christ, I think that's that should be your number one is reading over those four Gospels over and over and over yeah. and over again, um, because, you know, you sit there in the stillness of prayer in that silent hour. And all of a sudden you feel a certain heat and you are convinced that that's God when really it could just be dinner, you know, or it could be anything, <laughs> but like it, it's, it's incredible how your, your body can make you feel any certain way, depending yeah. on what you've put into that. What, what, what's going to come out on the other side of you yeah. doing anything your body could be interpreted as spiritual but the only practical thing that we have um, is that those books, you yeah. know, so. Practicality seems to be, like, what speaks to me specifically, you know, and because uh, I think there are a lot of extremely, like, just practical effects and, and just a lot of people, you know, using religion in, in really responsible, admirable ways to make themselves better people, you know, and... Uh, one of the things that's sort of like making me angry about some of the conversation I'm hearing about like Muslim faith is, and I don't know too much about it. I took one sort of like comparative religion course at my high school, which was awesome and very cool of that, uh, institution to like offer perspective on other people's faith, you know, and, and just having that respect, you know, was really awesome. And that was a cool class to take because, you know, you just got to, see into other people's faith traditions in these different ways and i think like a lot of people nowadays like assume that you know when you when you see these isis attacks or whatever that it's like oh man this 
Muslim faith thing that's the cause of this or it's somehow a violent religion or something or, or that there's something inherent about Islam that makes people want to hurt other people or something like that, you know, and that it's like not that at all. It's like those are that's a very specific group of people, <laughs> you know, it'd be like, man, all guys that wear red shirts are assholes because you met, you know, a soccer team that all had red shirts on. They were all dicks <laughs> or something. It's a shitty metaphor, but like, you know, it's like an Abrahamic religion, you know, and it's. <laughs> I don't know. It's just. I mean, that's that's the type of stuff that makes me angry. Is like, um, you know, because I'm a big believer in teach their own and like, um, put people sort of that that challenge that in a in a way that's just like, oh yeah, but they're that what well, that one's dumb or wrong or like you know, <laughs> or bad or, or fucked up or something like that and just missing a big picture or just, yeah, just marginalizing an entire faith, you know, an entire culture of people that are dedicated to bettering themselves through practice and faith and things like that. And like, I don't know, you know, and I don't, I don't know uh, enough about that faith to really like maybe get into that conversation with someone who has that that ideas but I feel like especially right now with like a lot of the fear based <laughs> things that are happening in our country right now I don't really know a lot about politics I'm not going to pretend to be like this very aware guy that comments on things or whatever but that's one thing that I see on Facebook or um whatever that whenever i see people putting down like muslim faith it's just like makes me <laughs> makes me bummed out you know i think this misunderstanding um about religion in general cuz all these books um have an aspect of them that's very violent and very um yeah soldiering i guess you could say um but I think that comes out of a misunderstanding about what these books are. Um, I remember the day as a young Christian finding out that there was a, a group of people that decided which books were going to go into the Bible and which ones were going to stay out hmm. and being very shaken up by that. And as I continue to read that book more and more and more, and I'm going to make an assumption that this is also true of these other big religious books you know, they're written over long periods of time. Different pieces of them are written by different people, you know, in totally different political climates. Uh, and, I'm, and I guess I can only really talk with authority about the Bible and only with a little bit of authority. But um, it seems to me, the more and more I read it, that it's a collection of writings on a singular topic. And the cohesion of it is a little more mysterious mm. and you can point to the moments in the old Testament where Jesus, not Jesus, pardon me, where God, the father says things like kill all the children, kill all the mothers. And yeah, <laughs> and you, and you're, and you wonder like, where does that come from? However, in a, in a, in a collection of, of writings on a singular topic 
I think what becomes more important is what is stressed most, not nitpicking here and there, because that could be chalked up to something cultural, something historical, something that someone translated in a certain way to fit a certain audience. Cultural is a big one. You know what I'm saying? People 2,000 years ago had completely different cultural values than we have. Agreed. And what is what keeps coming up? What's the thing that yeah. across all the writings remains consistent? Because Jesus does not say things like kill the women, kill the children. <laughs> but his message about love is echoed in pre in the Old Testament as well. And and that is throughout the entire book. Yeah. So what are you gonna take away from that religion? Are you gonna nitpick that one part? Like Yeah. I am um, I love I love listening uh, and watching. Uh, is it Bill Maher or Bill Mayer? Thanks, Bill Maher. Bill Maher, right? Yeah. I love his show, and he's the guy that I he's the guy from kind of the other side of thinking that I respect and like to listen to the most. Interesting. Um, but he he does do that. Like he'll he'll nitpick it. I know why. It's not because he yeah. believes that it's all a cohesive thing. He believes that other people believe that, mm. and so he wants to make sure that they understand that if you believe this is all 100% God straight from God and you have to acknowledge that he said this here and you can't believe that it's all a cohesive God message. Um, and, and, you know, and disregard that one part when God will say violent things like that. Whereas if someone were to come to Bill Maher and say, Oh no, 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 no. I think that it's kind of a mystery how this all came together but the thing that remains central throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, post-Jesus, and Jesus' gospel, I like to dissect it three ways like that. Because mm. the New Testament, post-Jesus, I think is a different thing than Jesus. The moment Jesus leaves, things start to fall apart. <laughs> Do you mean like Acts of the Apostles? Yeah, yeah. Like Acts books? and then all the letters that Paul <laughs> writes and then the revelations. Like he's... Those do seem very much like Jesus is gone. Now what do we do? As opposed to a singular New Testament. Um, I yeah. think of them as sort of three books. That is fucking fascinating. But um, but that middle book, the Jesus testimony book, is the, the most practical, the most down to earth, and the most, the less legalist than all of the other ones. Yeah. A lot of rules are brought up in the Old Testament and a lot of rules are brought up in Paul's letters. But you read these letters and they are so they are just such letters. I mean like Paul Paul will be like he'll talk for a while about theology and then he'll go, "Oh, and I left my jacket in Thessalonica." <laughs> like, "Will you keep a hold of that or something something like that where it's like very yeah. much feels like Oh, they're writing a letter. It'll be like, how's Jude doing? Or like, you know, how's how's something like that, you know, which is yeah. so humbling to hear um, when you are listening to it or you read it yourself and you're just like, gosh, that really does not, that doesn't necessarily have to be straight from God. Like this seems like a guy who's these church leaders who are writing to each other about how the church should be run, what good ideas, what's worked, what hasn't really worked. Yeah. Um, and then you read the Old Testament and there I think you have to read the Old Testament with a little bit of like understanding that some of this had to be a little mythological. Like, I mean, yeah, I remember asking a friend once, uh, a Christian friend of mine who is got a good mind in his head and, uh, you know, 
is is an intellectual and just asking him like how he felt about that and he was like yeah. i don't think god would give us a world that contradicts the <laughs> truth and yeah. the world that is described sometimes in the old testament is in contradiction but not yeah. not in truth contradiction only in literal contradiction yes whereas like you can still extrapolate some incredible wisdom from a metaphor yeah where it doesn't have to be the absolute truth yeah you know? exactly so. and, and sort of nitpicking your way through it uh i don't know i like i like all the terms you're speaking with right now <laughs> and um i mean and just the fact that you're um open-minded enough to listen to bill maher you know who, who maybe has like some completely opposite opinions and that you're clearly just open-minded and curious like that is amazing to me you know and uh -huh. i think that like um Maybe a lot of people's issue with religion is there's this idea that people are closed-minded or something, you know. And I think just closed-minded people, that's just like a separate group of people. That's a separate Venn diagram that like, yeah, some of those people are religious, but some of those people are just closed-minded about other stuff, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's a bummer, you know, when people are pushing whatever their agenda is on you, religious, non-religious, you know. But, um, I mean, like an open-minded anything is... I'm I'm all about it, you know, and that like Saul to St. Paul is like such an interesting story for me personally, just because I don't know. Was, there's, there's some essay that I've heard quoted about like that specific moment, you know, where he is Saul. He's a guy who likes to throw rocks at Christian people <laughs> for sports. That's his that's what he does for fun, you know. <laughs> and um you know he runs into i mean he's on the way to damascus right and yeah. he's uh you know jesus comes and please correct me if i'm wrong at any of this but jesus comes Nailing to him and it. he's like yeah and that jesus comes to him and he's like why are you persecuting me you know and he's like oh i've just I forget uh, i forget what he says but he's just like oh i'm not i'm just like hey christian people <laughs> and he's like no you're doing it to me dude and then he goes on to be saint paul you know and there was some guy analyzing it. I forget who it is now, but he was saying two things could have happened in that moment. Either he comes in contact with the divine and, and is therefore transformed because of this divine intervention, you know, and that's cool. That would be cool. But, all you know, for the rest of us, that's kind of like, oh, all right, I can't really like, okay, so if God comes and makes me a better person, great. But until then, <laughs> you know. What's a much more beautiful idea to extrapolate from it? Like you said, if, you know, trying to look at it in a way where you can take something from it. To me, that is like, and this is not my original idea, but did he like, was he touched by God and made a better person? Or did he like see that as an opportunity to stop being such a dick? <laughs> <laughs> You know, because like, and and was he just overwhelmed and and just sort of like chose like man, you know, had a realization and 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 decided to be a better person and like, just the idea that at any moment you know we can be on our own little mini roads to Damascuses and be like, be faced with an opportunity like that, you know, and and choose to better ourselves and and choose to you know become St. Paul um, as opposed to waiting for something to make you better. 
um, which I think is a, a badass interpretation of that story in particular that I like a lot. You know. Yeah. Again, with like the what's stressed most is what we should pay attention to most throughout the Gospels. It's not like just wait till, you know, the clouds have opened and God descends and he tells you exactly what to do. Yeah, it's it's that's not stressed as much as, you know, these are some things that you should do in the meantime in between those divine moments that may or may not come he doesn't he says in fact yeah I, th- I think at some point someone's like come on jesus like do one of those little magic tricks and he's like nope there will be no signs for this generation that's not gonna help um it's more it's about you caring for the sick and uh living outwardly um as opposed to inwardly with an outward focus i suppose and um I mean, he he lays it out in uh, midway through Matthew, the book of Matthew, when he just says, these are the people that are getting into heaven. And then he goes, you know, you uh, you saw me when I was hungry. You fed me. You saw me when I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You came to visit me and, and I was in prison and you, you know, came by. And they say, we didn't do any of those things for you. What are you talking about? And Jesus goes, whatever you did for the least of these people, you did for me. You know, if you cared for the sick and if you fed the hungry and the thirsty, you'll go to you'll go to heaven. And that place isn't really well described either. Um, What heaven is either. It's another mystery of it. That's one of my favorite parts of Catholic Mass. I don't know if I'm (laughs) understanding this well. There's a lot of things about Mass. I've been going to Mass only for about a year, so there's still some words that, like, the congregation says them too Mm. fast and I miss them. So who knows if I'm even getting the right words, but whatever whatever they are, they mean something to me. And there's this part in the Mass where the priest raises his hands and goes, the mystery of faith. And I always go, like, right on. Like, yes. I love hearing that every week. There's a lot of practicality to religion and there's a lot of mystery. And as long as we can acknowledge that, um, acknowledge that understanding that mystery is not important. Yeah. It's the practicality. Yeah, man. That's what I'm about as well. And like, uh, I don't know. I definitely get caught up in the, uh, well, you know, trying to connect the dots. And stuff like that. And it's like, it's not about the dots, man. <laughs> That's actually, it's funny that you mentioned that specific moment in mass because, at, and this is like only maybe Catholic people will understand this moment, but <laughs> at that moment, the, the, the priest is required to sing, you know? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know where this is going. I'm just like most priests are just bad singers. Oh boy. And there's like a little melody. Cause like whenever I would get the music and sing in choir, you know, it'd be like, the mystery of faith and the Holy Spirit or whatever it was. <laughs> you just get like a, you know, bad singers be like, the mystery of faith. Oh, Christ in us. <laughs> we had this Korean priest in my high school who had just like a, this is a hilarious character, very loving guy, but just doesn't really speak that good of English, you know? And so it's, <laughs> what can it's, you do? Has this extra layer of entertainment at, at a mass and stuff like that. But, yeah, man. Yeah. It's, so you started going to Mass like a year ago? 
do you mind if I sort of like ask you about like what drew you to that and like sort of I don't know because I feel like the circles we maybe run in and the people I mean I, I don't, I'm not claiming to understand who you are or like um, know who all your friends are but I just feel like I know a lot of uh, you know artistic people who are uh, you know and not not saying that like uh, they're wrong or anything but just like a lot of people that maybe wouldn't be uh, into the idea of like someone being religious or something like that or maybe that look down upon people of faith or whatever and I just like have you I don't know it's cool that you're very like sort of just confident and curious <laughs> and like clearly just in, into the things that you're into you know despite maybe the I don't know do you have like a lot of <laughs> people that you go to church with or I don't know that's like interesting to me like that you came to it later or something um I came to Catholicism later. I was brought up in the Protestant faith um, and was very blessed by it, um, mostly by the community that surrounded it, like you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, I wasn't a self-proclaimed theologian or anything at that time. And, and reading the word voraciously and going to the services was not something that I had necessarily look forward to. Yeah. I knew it was going to be good for me. And every once in a while I get a good point. Like we were talking about earlier with the respond and react. And I'd be like, I'm holding on to that. I've held on to that for like 10 years. It's incredible to me. Um, out of all the sermons, that one um, quote, but I feel very, very called to be open. And there's a little a quote that's a, uh, you know, chew the meat and spit out the bones, but eat, you know, so you're, you put everything in your mouth, um, <laughs> but you, you know, you chew what is good and you spit out what is bad. And the only way that you can really tell which is good and which is bad is by gaining discernment. And where do you gain discernment from? That's kind of up to you. Um, That's amazing. And I've chosen, you know, Jesus's discernment and that's yeah. made a big difference. There's a, there's a one of his disciples, one of his first disciples, Peter, writes later in that sort of third part of the Bible, that that post, New Testament post Jesus. He says, um, you know, trials come so that your faith um, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Um, and he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving, the, and this is the part that is, I kind of went, I did more than I needed to. But um, the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I translate that to the peace of the soul. Like, that's the goal of this. It, sometimes you have to like really step back and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Is it for other people? Is it for yeah. my mother? Is it for like, yeah. why, why are you practicing this faith? And ultimately I think at the very base, if practiced right, it just brings you peace. Mm. You aren't as confused. You aren't as worried. It just waylays your anxiety and allows you 
to have enough peace that your peace affects other people because you can't help but affect people by existing. So if you make yourself more peaceable, you will have a better influence on other people. Um, And that's the reason why. But it was because of my then, then girlfriend who was Catholic. I mean, something I love about this Catholic church that's right on, you know, who, I mean, it's right by where we are. Yeah. A church ought to be in the middle of your community. If you have to travel half an hour to get to your church, you're going there for the pastor. You're going there for the the free coffee before service or whatever yeah. it is. But your church ha- should be right where you live because you want to walk out of that building and see those people throughout the week. And you want to go, let's build this together. Let's do that mm. together. Not... I'll see you next week. Um, do you want to build something this week? Oh, sorry. You live on the other <laughs> side of town. We we can't get together. Um, yeah. And when the church becomes too big, you make two churches and three churches. I mean, it's just there's there are these mega churches out there that are run by these sort of big pastors who are the name of the church. I remember once yeah. talking to this. Um, they do radio broadcasts sometime when I'm driving. I listen to them. And it's like, yeah. It's insane. I don't mean to interrupt you. They've gr- they've just I don't know any. Uh, there's I the remember sermons are strange as well. Yeah, which I'm, and I re- I don't want to get into tricky territory, but I was yeah. just listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> We've been in religion for like half an hour. Very very <laughs> s- tricky territory to be in. No doubt. Yeah, if anyone's pissed off, they're already pissed off. Right. Um, no. Yeah. No. Thanks for like being willing to talk about this stuff because. Um, it's just, yeah, it's all very genuine, um, and I'm just curious, and, and uh, thanks for just being honest and stuff. But, I, 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 you know, sometimes I listen to these, like, megachurch radio things, and it's it's just insane, you know? Because they'll just be talking about stuff that I'm just like, wh- like, what? Like, like you know, Jenny was, uh, you know, she had, like, lost her job, and her daughter was sick. And she said, you know, God's got a plan for me and I'm going to like take a little of something and I'm going to lay it down and it's going to get better. And like and then she won the lottery and like <laughs> or something like that, you know, and it's just like believe in God. And then he, he buys you a really big house. And that's like how every single story ended. <laughs> you know, it was always like these people, they had faith and they they were poor and then they like um and then they like kept to their faith and then they got all this financial reward. And there was he literally told seven stories in a row where it was just like they were sitting on this land and they were going to sell it. But then they didn't sell it. And it turns out there's oil under it. Boom. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like there weren't a lot of. To me, very spiritually <laughs> informative things. It was just like it was just sort of like selling the like, yeah, come to this church, <laughs> you know, like you keep. Like if you if you buy into this ideology, there there will be eternal rewards for you in this life, you know. And I was just like, to me, I, like I don't know. I start to listen to it and just out of curiosity, and then just out of amazement at a certain point, where it's just like, is that the angle of this guy's like whole sermon, you know? Yeah. And that is wacky to me, you know. It's another reason why I I mean I guess I'm doing a commercial here for the Catholic Church, but <laughs> it's uh. I love the structure. I love how much it is focused around trying to not drift too far from the scripture. Like they, yeah. we got the first reading, we got the second reading, 
We've got the gospel reading. Then the priest stands up and says a bit. And it's never very far from what was already spoken or read from the scriptures. Whereas I remember sometimes, and this isn't a comment about my home church, but but Protestant churches where it is popular to take a, a, a teeny weeny verse and just make a whole sermon about it. And you can just speculate to no end and, and say, yeah. and you know, make inferences about the story that just may or may not be true, but you make people uncomfortable only because they're not sure and it's important to them. And they would rather you take a, a section of scripture and more or less just paraphrase it or make it applicable or just give an example of how you might go about doing that. I don't know. I just, I really appreciate that about the Catholic churches. It seems like there's a care and a concern about us not drifting too far away, which with what is said there's, I remember talking with a friend. I think this is actually right on the money is a lot of times in these um, Protestant churches, especially where the pastor is become a celebrity. Um, there's this need or this drive to have something completely original every week. Mm. Um, a new idea that you can intellectually feast on that your, your whole audience is going to go, oh, and they're going to pull out their moleskin notebooks and they're going to write it down <laughs> and everyone's got them. And, and, and you know, as opposed to there is like two in this bag. Right, right. <laughs> I have one in my bag. Um, but there is enough in those four books to last a whole lifetime and to repeat Mm. over and over again and not have to go too far, you know, not have to have such an original idea, but just saying, so guys, last week I said, feed the poor. Did we feed the poor this week? Are the poor fed? Yeah. We could be feeding more poor people. You know, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) and you know, that gets a little tiresome maybe after a while, but you can always just skip around and there, there is enough. There's enough in those four books. Yeah. Much less the whole Bible, but you know, again, I think it's centralized in that gospel. I also like how much attention is paid to that gospel reading. The yeah. first one comes out of nowhere. The second one kind of comes out of nowhere. And then there's a whole song that says, like, more or less, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. Pay attention. <laughs> this is the gospel. And then someone <laughs> reads the be gospel. so much better right? <laughs> as the song. Just out of curiosity, because I think it was like 2012 or something where they changed all the music and they changed all the responses. Um, I know at least in the Catholic Church, that's my only experience. Were you there? So, like, would you just start going, like, post all that stuff? Like, when, yeah, say, like, the Lord be with you and with your spirit? Like, when that's yeah. what happened? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a peace be with you kind yeah. of guy. I, I started with that, and it's it's new to a lot of people. I said that to someone recently, and they were like, and with your, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> peace be with you and with your spirit. Yeah, right. People, yeah. Uh, I, I've heard, I've heard that that was quite a, a disruption it was interesting. I don't know. It was interesting. <laughs> like, um, just from a musical's perspective, like a lot of the uh, old music, I really enjoyed. And uh, I think that I don't know who was in charge of that, uh, but to me, that's such a funny task. Like, all right, we're gonna <laughs> like you. I need Johnny, like, Christian songwriter. <laughs> like all these old melodies. Like we gotta make this hip and fun for the kids. You know. Yeah. Like, part of that ritual, to me, was in those old melodies of, like, I can't remember, like, um, I think the new one for, like, Amen is, like, Amen, 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 and it's just, like, what? <laughs> like, 
melodically that there's just like a lot of stuff that I, I wish I could remember. Like, um, but I just remember going to church and, and some of the music was haunting, but in this, in this way that sort of got you into the ritual of things a little bit more. And for me, I'm like, yeah, it didn't sound like music that I was hearing and that was cool. You know, yeah. like I feel like different. the attempt to maybe make the music sound more modern to be inclusive. I understand that intention, but for me, I just remember it bumming me out because I liked the fact that it was so foreign and different and really just invited me into this other world and allowed me maybe to transcend a little more because I was just in this new territory, you know? Yeah. And there's just like, I don't know, just this like, th- there's just like a lot of these like dark, you know, modal things that were just really, just had all this kind of, there was more darkness or something. <laughs> oh, man. You know, and I'm now all you. the charge melodies are just like, nah, ba, da, ba, ba, da, da, Hosanna, Hosanna. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Like. I remember one day I brought a friend to a Protestant church of mine a couple years ago. And we were talking about it later with some friends. And he was saying, um, oh, yeah, like it was like Coldplay. And I, and, I, and I was thinking like, oh, my gosh, like they have these like hard lights on them. They're all like in silhouette. And they're playing and there's someone up there doing some crazy riff or something that the audience can't follow. Like they're gonna they're gonna try to get the melody, but if you start riffing or anything like that's that's gonna draw them away and that's another I mean, something yeah. that I really also cherish about the Catholic Church, um, or at least when they do the old songs, because you're right. They're so you don't get that anywhere else in your day. You yeah. go there almost like for that concert because it's like these. This is so strange and, and yeah. the tone is so um, unique. Um, but also the songs are simple enough. Where, and and no one is trying. I love I love watching the people read scripture and do the songs. <laughs> there is a look of like a little bit of like fear in their eyes that they're gonna like add too much emotion or something like that. They just like they get yeah. up there. They read it very like matter of fact. Jesus walked here and he did this, <laughs> and now I'm done. Or like we're singing the song, and they're amazing vocalists at this Catholic center um, on Hoover. But but yeah, there is like just an intention of like we are not gonna make this anything more than it is. Like we are going to yeah. stick to it very strictly, and I appreciate that quite a bit. I appreciate that too, and and from just as from respect perspective of like I don't know making a lot of music like. I remember it being very strange when I started to sing in the choir and people wouldn't applaud after songs. I'd be like, yo, guys, we just fucking sang a great song. What's the deal, you know? <laughs> and then I remember, like, just the uh, the notion of not doing something for yourself and just like, no, 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 this is about Christ, you know? And this is like, and like the fact that the songs are chosen so specifically, it's like, no, 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 this is all about elevating something else, you know? And um, even as a person, like, I don't know, to me, you know, I, I'm not specifically theistic, but I, I loved that intention of this being a very separate thing and not being like, I don't know, because per- performance can get very narcissistic very quickly. And it's not about how sick that riff was, you know, it's about, I, I think, specifically making the intention, the ritual and, you know, whatever's happening here. And as opposed to like check out this sweet lick you know <laughs> yeah it's cool and just the attention to that is awesome you know i remember a theater professor saying um when we were talking about objectives of characters saying that there's mm. no objective that isn't selfish um and if that's true in the theater which is you know more or less life 
then that must be true of life too. And you think about yeah. what we were just talking about, like doing things for other people or, or just not doing it for yourself. But really at the core of it, if you just, if you step back and ask why enough times you get back to the same question of, Oh, I'm doing this because it makes me feel good or it makes me, yeah. it, it gives me peace. And yep. the way to get there is undoubtedly, at least by the profession of the church, that you start doing things for other people, and eventually you'll yeah. receive that peace. But it is at the very core so that you can have some peace. Yeah. And hopefully you also hope that that peace touches other people and can create peace for a community, or that you can be a peaceable member of a community um, and not be the outlier that's full of hate and and, and <laughs> violence. But yeah. Um, but yeah, um, that, that was a, I thought a profound thing that my teacher had said that reminded me to really analyze that. Oh, I mean, I am doing this for myself in yeah. the end, but in the way on that journey to doing that for myself, I'm doing a lot of things for other people or hopefully Definitely. that's the intention. And I think about that a lot too. And just like when, when you think about people that are, or whenever I, you know, you try to do something selfless. It's really not like it's really just like the purest form of selfishness. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like if I do something selfish, I will feel bad eventually. You know what I'm saying? But I know that if I like do something for somebody else, like I'm gonna get this very pure, uncorrupt reward. You know, and uh, not to demonize or anything. I'm like every everything's for yourself. So like so fuck it. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and fuck everyone. Right. It's all for you anyways. Not at all. But um, it's sort of interesting when because selflessness is almost just like perfect selfishness <laughs> you know and just like like oh. if it were a drug or something like that it would just be like no no no, no. like this is the how you get the best high from being selfish is if you actually do these things for other people i'm gonna know? need to pull out my moleskin and write that one down <laughs> Self selflessness is the purest form of selfishness i think it you know it's because i I, th I feel like what you're saying because at the end of the day like it comes back to you you know and um yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird uh, idea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging it, man. I that notebook is full of you know quotes from the Phaedrus, quotes from mm -hmm. the Bible, quotes from everywhere. Yeah. I write down anything that I like. I remember I was sitting in yeah, a bar yeah. once and there was this quote over the fireplace, and I can't remember it. I'm, I hope I wrote it down. But yeah, I just fill that thing with anything. That's definitely going in there. That's that's. The, I love when the conversation sums itself up more or less. And that's not to say that we're done. But I. But it's. Uh, that's kind of the goal of these things. Is you have all these ideas, you can't quite yeah. simplify it enough. You bring it to somebody else, and then you work it down to the selflessness is the purest selfishness. Thank An another one thank I wrote goodness. down the other day. I was reading some. It's like David Foster Wallace, like oh. book of like short essays, you know, I'm just getting guy. into him. He's too smart for me. So it takes me for a while. us both, <laughs> but he's <laughs> a brilliant so man, really brilliant and really awesome and, and hilarious. And, and just like, I don't know. Great. And, um, but there was just this one little two line thing where it's just like bees have to work extremely hard to stand still, you know? And I just thought that that was such a beautiful image. I don't even know what it means. I'm not even <laughs> trying to pretend that I'm, that I see into that image fully, but just the idea of like, you know, flapping your wings a million times a second, or whatever, just so that you can stand still. Like, I don't know. It was just, a t it was like a really small detail on his way to tell some other amazing, awesome story. But 
you know, that was another one of those things I put in my moleskin. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't. I put. I have a notes uh, thing on my iPhone for those types of things. Yeah. I'm in between notebooks right now. It's a very awkward place because like. <laughs> I Me too. <laughs> right. <laughs> the last couple pages of my old notebook are like not being filled because I started with the new one, and this old one seems very much like, "What am, are we done? <laughs> you feel, you, what are you gonna fill up the last pages?" I know that they're kind of falling off a little bit, and they have like a couple smudges on them, yeah. but like fill them up. Like, yeah, that's the, it's an awkward spot when you're switching notebooks, and you're like, "I just, I guess we're done now." <laughs> this one's so clean. All the pages are yeah. so nice. Oh my god, that's like this strangely addicting feeling, you know? Like I. I I love starting new pages. Like if you, I flip through my notebooks and there's so many empty pages or pages with one word on them because I just love like, and I was the same with video games too. I would just love like making new characters and things, you know. But oh, I just man. um, I just I've been at school for two years now writing songs. Um, and I just finished. It's almost the end of the second year, and I just finished my second notebook. You know, so they're almost so far. They've kind of been one to one for the year. I might, I need to start a new one though because I have more songs to write. <laughs> you know, yeah. and the year's not over. But um, I forgot that I had drawn a huge penis on the back of this notebook, like on the very last page, to make myself laugh in the future. <laughs> you know, that's great because I knew I would be taking myself too seriously by that point. You know, and so I was like having this very romantic, like I completed a notebook and it's another chapter in my oh huge dick. Like, <laughs> well done. What insight you was, had oh, back I then. A lot of my life is comprised of like subtle jokes to myself, you know, and they're really I've I've kind of gotten to that place where especially sometimes in the context of my family, where like the things that I, and I'm not saying like I'm just on another level, but just like maybe my humor is not for them, you know, mm. and not in like a rude way where I'll be subtly or passive aggressively shitting on them. But I'll just sort of make a little comment out loud, you know, that's just for no one but me, <laughs> you know. And I'm I'm trying to get to that place more where I can just be like, oh, blah, 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 and like not expect like, you know, not be bummed out when no one gets my little clever observation and just be able to be like, that was, that was, I liked that. <laughs> that saved my improv. I remember a time, I think coming back after the summer in my sophomore year, um, going to the leader of my troop and almost like almost wanting to quit it was just like there was it just was not working out really? like i was so uh was this comedas yeah 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 oh, so disappointed in like what i was doing certainly wasn't getting any joy out of it and was so concerned um and i don't remember if it was like a remedy that he had prescribed or if it just a couple of weeks later he said oh watch this but i watched that um movie where Jim Carrey is playing Andy Kaufman. It's Man on the Moon. I've heard a lot about that. I haven't seen it. Changed changed my comedy perspective for sure when it became a matter of me making myself laugh before other people. <laughs> um, and, you know, reading the audiences eventually and finding out what works, but you got to make yourself laugh. If, if you think it, if you don't think it's funny, it's going to read on you immediately. And I remember mm. before I'd seen that movie, I was more or less just trying to replicate comedy that I had seen other people do successfully. Yeah. And it just was not working out. And, um, once after this movie, it was just about that more mm. or less making myself laugh first. And, uh, and I definitely like Andy Kaufman did, <laughs> Uh, find moments when nobody is laughing or one person is, <laughs> you know, lightly chuckling to themselves. Yeah. But that's so much richer than um, 
than making a bunch of people laugh and you just going like, oh, the next joke, what's the next freaking joke? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. I can't maybe relate to that as much from an improv standpoint because I'm not as well practiced in it as you are at all. And I don't, I don't do it anymore, um, like actively. But definitely from a songwriting perspective, like I used to have some songs that people would really like, you know, but meant nothing to me. And, um, you know, they'd be like, oh, I love that song, you know, it just, it meant, there were verses and choruses, there were lyrics that rhymed, and they were maybe a nice melody, but, hmm. um, and sort of over the last couple of years, like, I've been, you know, trying to write more for myself, and, and, and sometimes it really narrows your audience, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, like, a song that I would want to hear or something, or, or a song that has an I- some ideas in it that I, that I think are important to me, that either express something that, I was really feeling at that time or like get some perspective across or something like that. And I mean, sometimes they're more polarizing, you know, like I've definitely like my family used to love all my songs and now I'm kind of getting to a place where they're really not starting to like some of them. And yeah. it's <laughs> wacky cause it's interesting cause my friends are starting to like my songs a lot more, you know, and they're starting to like finally catch some attention of some people I've been trying to get their attention for a while, you know? Um, but it, yeah, it's definitely a conscious choice, you know, and you got to be like, you know, I could definitely play to a, this room of my parents and their friends. And I, is that who I want to be playing for forever? Like, no, <laughs> no, you know, and I'm sorry that, you know, I can't really play all my songs for my mom anymore because maybe she won't like them. But I like, you know, trying to write stuff that I'm that I'm proud of and, and choosing the people you want to connect with because you could see yourself in that crowd or something like that or like making yourself laugh or making yourself I don't know what the songwriter equivalent of laughing is but <laughs> trying to interest yourself first you know yeah and I just feel like that's such an authentic place of creation and like all my favorite people that are creating create from that place you know and it's like it's cool to try to get there more and more you know incrementally and things like that mm. but um yeah man Improv is so terrifying. Like I, I, uh, I get nervous before music performances and things like that. But at the end of the day, like I, you know, I practice it in my room. I, I know kind of what's gonna happen. <laughs> Even though, yeah, it's like you, you know, I think maybe it would be more uh, apparent if I was like a jazz improviser or something, or there was that ca- more chaos built into the sets that I do. But a lot of the sets that I do, like. I know I wrote all the songs already, <laughs> you know, and like, but I just remember in high school just being so nervous for your improv shows, you know, yeah. just, I mean, what a tough thing to just have to just tr- to do to enjoy, you know, and, and just trust the fear and trust the chaos and just be like, here we go. <laughs> I mean, that, that fascinates me, sort of the headspace involved in improv whether it's musical or comedy you know um yeah just that what that headspace is all about and 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 because it's presence at the end of the day you know and and uh i don't know that's it's there's just so fucking scary (laughs) (laughs) no it's uh it's i wonder if my feelings are sort of inverted only in that i i sing like i you know i these musicals and stuff and something that always worries me is just like gosh these entrances and exits like they're 
like there's if I breathe wrong or if I, it's I'm gonna come in late, it's gonna be noticeable. Yeah. Uh, whereas in improv, I can I am allowed to take a breath in the middle and kind of collect almost a little bit. Yeah. I can't for very long, but there's a it really it really is more or less just real life. And because you're I mean you're on stage and as we were talking about earlier, the rate at which you're being asked to come up with material is too fast. And because it's just slightly too fast, you're going to do something silly or you're going to say something ridiculous that surprises a bunch of people. Or, you know, your synapses line up perfectly and you come up with a brilliant joke and everyone's like, yeah. what a genius. <laughs> um, but it's it's because of the stress of, of doing the job. But um, But I don't know. I know that when, like, we do poetry slam that game where you just are all by yourself up there that's my favorite fucking game man. Th- that's more or less like the most comfortable i feel because i i know that there are certain things i can do with my eyes or with my neck that if i need to pause for any amount of time i can do those things and maybe i'll yeah. get a laugh and maybe i won't maybe people will yeah. notice i see you relish in those moments you know and there was one time where you were doing that game <laughs> Like it was some thing where you ate your mom and your dad like barbecued your mom or something. Oh, that sounds right. And yeah, you, and you had everyone sing like the refrain with you, and you were like, "And we sing the la dee dee." Oh man, I remember oh, one. I just remember dying laughing so hard. Like, I think one year I noticed when we were writing sketches for our sketch show that I had written two or three or four sketches about. Mm parents eating their children or, or, or people <laughs> eating each other you know pilots eating their yeah. eating their passengers and things like that and yeah. i don't know where i don't know why it's a a metaphorical fear yeah how does a sketch sort of like high differ for you than an improv high i I mean, I all my sketches come out of improv. Like, I'm yeah. sitting there going, like, oh, mailman. Okay, the two mailmen walk into a bar, and the first mailman is like, oh, man, like, <laughs> that stamp, like, you know, they're getting away from me. And, of course, they start, like, that's terrible. <laughs> Immediately, if I saw that on stage, you'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> but hopefully you get you get a little bit of, like, I mean, it's, it's like anything. You... You, th- you throw a bunch of stuff on a piece of paper and then you take some things away. Yeah. You know, and then you're left with something good. Maybe you add a couple things here and there, but yeah. But it always is a mess in the beginning and I'll tighten it up. And sometimes I don't have time to tighten it up. Sometimes I just get it all out there and I bring it to Comedus and then Ryan, you know, who's on the troop will give me a look or something like that. Like, this is too long or, or, or <laughs> what is all the, why did you go on so long in this section? Just like, <laughs> I didn't have time to make it good. It's just <laughs> still sort of just the, the, um, my excretion. Yeah. It's interesting how much restraint and discretion like there is with like great creators, you know? And like, um, like whenever I see someone like a, some great jazz cat that like, you know, can just play like every lick in the book, you know, but doesn't chooses not to, you know, mm. that's like so much more artful, you know? And, and that's just fascinating to me. I just, the reason I'm, I had this paper due last night and it was like, uh, I'm taking this very basic neuroscience class and you just had to pick a neuroscience topic and like write about it. And so I decided to do like jazz improvisation, you know, and, um, it's like a really basic paper. I'm not (laughs) at all claiming any authority on the field, (laughs) 
But one of the interesting things that I found was like, I was trying to figure out, my, my teacher was like, oh, figure out like what parts of the brain it activates and things like that. And then maybe like what those areas are associated with. And there's, there's some interesting conversation there. Like it'll activate a lot of parts of like the language parts of your brain, which is really interesting. And like different emotions will trigger different parts of your brain. And there's a couple in, or if like, I don't know, there were people that were playing like happy music or like music in response to happy emotional cues and there would be like more notes per measure or something i don't know there's a lot of interesting Mm. but the most interesting thing to me was that um like the difference between a a person like a great improviser improvising and a non-musician improvising is that like once you get to a certain level your brain actually starts to shut off certain parts of your brain and that's where the like sort of like transcendence happens is like this the part of your brain that like is self-monitoring or like inhibiting you whatever it's just like uh it shuts that part off you know and it was just like looking at all these fmri scans of like <laughs> like you know different levels of people that were at different you know practice levels and then at the better they got the more areas that started like turning off <laughs> in their brains and i was just like whoa you know wow it's 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 it's, it's a crazy idea you know and it's it's cool to uh think about that type of stuff and like my ex- small small experience with improv was just like the more i was able to let go you know <laughs> yeah because anytime i went in there with this like very conscious thought of like i'm gonna go on and i'm gonna say santa claus or whatever <laughs> you know and then it's like m- maybe but just uh, by far the best realist moments when it was just like surrender you know yeah and, uh, all that i remember stuff. richie you know of course he was joking but it had some poignancy to it when people would ask him questions about the practice of improv he'd pull out his book of monkey pictures and it's these <laughs> pictures of these monkeys that are just making the most amazing faces and he would say this is all you need to know and he'd, and he'd <laughs> give it to you um and uh that is because I mean, cuz animals can't help but be honest um, there's mm. not a lot of nuance with them. They're pretty, uh, they wear their emotions on their sleeves. Yeah. Um, so they're certainly letting go. Yeah. And there's a lot of inhibitions that we have that has probably evolved. Um, parts of the brain that have gotten larger that have yeah. to do with inhibition. I yeah. don't know. I mean, that's, that's right out of my bum. I have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But I could I could buy into that. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Why Why do we, Why did we get that and the animals didn't get it? I don't know. I think it's probably you know. Well, but yeah, I think just for higher. I mean, like a, a lot of human being things that we do, we weren't designed to do. You know, like driving. You know. Like, yeah. And like the reason that we're capable of evolving i think it's because we we have these different elements that continue to surprise us you know and these these areas of our brains that are responsible for different things that we'll find new ways to combine you know and getting creating art is one of them <laughs> you know because um, that's really not something that animals do either you know that's true i'll i'll <laughs> i'll give them the uh, we'll take art they can have the emotional honesty yeah <laughs> Fair enough, monkeys. It's a pretty fair trade, I guess. Yeah. You have a sketch show coming up, question mark. We right? do, yeah. In when three weeks. Fuck or that. whatever the last week of classes is. It might be four weeks. Okay. Is it going to be at Massman or the mm-hmm. Massman? 
Good old Massman show. Last okay. one for me and Michael Sturgis. I'll be there, man. We'll uh, we'll see what we can do. Make That's a couple crazy. people laugh, maybe. I can't imagine seeing like that group without you, man. That's gonna be wacky. Bless you, man. I remember feeling the same way about the seniors when I was a freshman. You yeah. wouldn't believe these people. Comedians has changed so much, and of course, only in good ways. Um, but those people were legends. They were like yeah. demigods. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Interesting. Any any time that, um, I mean, just for me, like being in the pop program and watching the kids graduate and be like, whoa, you know, and then new people coming in and be like, you don't know Brian Jones? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> like, Brian Jones? Yeah. Know, or whatever. Like you know? Paul Stanko. You don't know <laughs> Paul Stanko? <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. know, and anytime that type of stuff happens, it's just like, have we all just move up a peg? <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. It's man. crazy, man. I remember guys like Paul Stanko or, um, you know, people in that class getting the sort of compliments or feedback about their improv that I get now. And it, I don't feel like I've. I've, I, th- I think I've gotten better and like have, you know, especially with the transition that we were talking about earlier after seeing that movie. But um, I never thought that I would be at their level is not the right way of saying it, but just sort of in their shoes, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Because, um, again, they were so, so ahead of me, um, seemingly. Mm. And, uh, you know, you come to learn we just have, you know, different ways of approaching it and different ways that it manifests in us but uh but yeah it certainly makes you feel like you're on your way out too i guess you can only you only get a compliment when you're about to die or you're dead or or you're leaving or getting kicked out of the cabin right 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 yeah i've also had plenty of shows where i am leaving and i see audience members and i see them look at me and then turn away really quick i'd be like oh they certainly did not care for what i did this evening um, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> maybe, or they're just like overwhelmed with your, you know, maybe they thought you were dope, but they're just shy or something. Let's, I'll choose that. <laughs> that That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, man. I, um, yeah. Thanks for doing my podcast, man. It's my pleasure, Mac. And this is great. Uh, finally got to. Well, I guess we dug in. Well, no, 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 no. I mean, you asked me. I gave you, I guess, information about my life, but we got to more important things, obviously, um, ideas as opposed to people and events. Um, yeah, we transcended. We we walked up the <laughs> Eleanor Roosevelt ladder, as I say, because oh, she she was the one with that quote yeah. about, um, you know, people uh, talk about ideas and then like the events or what is it what's the three tiers yeah you know it's just i think it's like uh low i mean and low people is not what you said but that's this is how i'm gonna do it is low people talk about people medium people talk about events and uh first rate people talk about (laughs) ideas so um i like people and events too (laughs) yeah 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 i mean the, the only trouble is usually it does stray into sort of an assessment of a person or of yeah. an event when really at the core of a person or an event is an idea. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, I, 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 it's also like it, it's, a, it's a really cheap and easy way to bond with people 
sort of like gossiping and oh stuff. Yeah. And I catch myself doing it all the time and I like definitely got to talk less shit and stuff, you know, but it's like, it's so easy to hop on that train and everyone around you is just like, sh- or shitting on the place that you're in, whether it's Los Angeles or a class that you're taking. It's this like really low level tribal form of like bonding with people, you know? I think it's the same thing with events, people yeah. in events, like <laughs> you weren't there and you have all this stuff to say about it. I don't know. Um, I think yeah. I, I and events is sort of a safer way because now we've sort of gotten to the place where, yeah, you're right. It's not okay to talk about people. <laughs> Fine. So uh, the event, like we can talk about the events now, but it's just as it can become just as uh, um, unhinged or uh, not based in reality. You can become just as speculative yeah. about an event that you can about a person. Um, yeah. So it's sort of our haven. And then <laughs> ideas are, are safe because uh, I don't know what you believe is kind of sacred to you and you don't have to contradict. I don't know. That's that thought is a little bit out there. It's an idea, <laughs> but at least we're talking about it. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing your ideas, man. Like I, I, you're, they're fascinating. And I, and I, I really respect the way that you go about like, uh, like pursuing the ones that you want to, you know, and, uh, day by day. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I mean, I like what you said about, you know, you, you chew the meat and you spit out the bones and you eat. I like that a lot. I remember I, the last, you know, I went and I went, but uh, I remember very coming to a point where I was pretty close to really being uh, convinced of the Mormon faith, but um, chewing, chewing that for long enough and eventually deciding that I, that that was not going to be a part of it. But I, I do want to be very much in the present and I want to assess things as they come and I don't want to dismiss anything. I think if you're, yeah. if you're a Christian, someone runs out from the woods and says, Jesus spoke to me and I wrote it down. Your first inclination should not be get out of here. I don't want to hear anything that you have to say. It should be, let me take a look. Oh, this doesn't really line up with the Bible. This is written in your Sorry. poop. <laughs> right, right, right. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's all about receiving. Oh, I wasn't talking about Mormonism. I just realized that you were. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, right. They sorry. wouldn't appreciate you saying that their book is not, was written in yeah, poop. The Third Testament is not written in poop. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, no, I think, I think they all understand. Um, I know a lot of nice Mormon people. Oh, so do yeah. I. And that was what actually drew me to it the most was just seeing the active community of nice people and being like, wow, what do they have that's that's making yeah. it this way? That's the most mind-blowing part to me because I, I've read a little bit about that Third Testament. And I it, I don't know. I mean, not that I'm a Catholic to begin with, so it's not like I'm like you know deciding what's canon and what's not canon. But there are some parts of that the theology of that and i would love to maybe have this conversation with a with a mormon person you know so they could yeah. explain to me why they believe what they believe but it, it's it always seems like maybe a little f- more far-fetched to me but the people are also kind you know and so i'm just like wondering where that i took this comparative religion course here um it was a sort of like retrospective american spirituality course at usc and there was this one chapter this one book that was talking about emerson and uh, Joseph Smith, you know, and sort of like, you know, you have these two people who like culturally are thought of in totally different ways, you know, and Joseph Smith is like a very uh, polarizing figure. You know what I'm saying? Obviously for Mormons, he's like, you know, the patriarch, but then for like a, a lot of people who aren't Mormons kind of like view him maybe as 
the guy that they don't want to talk to or something like that, you know? Um, and then you have Emerson, who's this, like, very romantic <laughs> sort of guy who, like, a, a lot of people idolize, you know, as this, like, you know, worshiper of nature and this great thinker of self-reliance and all this awesome stuff, you know? But this the essay was talking about personal accounts of them, and apparently Emerson was just, like, a dick, <laughs> you know? Because his his whole theory of self-reliance, like, that, the ultimate conclusion of that was, like, I don't need any friends. And apparently Joseph Smith was just, like, the nicest guy, and everyone just wanted to hang out with him all the time. And so, here, like, that, that is one religion that i would love to learn more about because it, it really doesn't make a ton of sense to me um but all the people that i know that are mormons are so kind you know and yeah. it's it's really insane to me you know where i'm just like man some of the practices that i hear about i don't know if i fully understand yet but i'm always shocked at just like i, I, I haven't met any mormon jerks you know <laughs> yeah i i think um I think that if you ever wanted to, they're very open. Uh, I've to having that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> they were they were very generous. Um, fed me several times, brought me over for dinners, took me to their temple, all free of charge. I didn't have to spend anything, and they were and they really gave me a great picture of what it might look like. Yeah. Um, and then, but now, I think it's I'm coming to a similar place, if not, and a more advanced stage where I'm very much considering the Catholic Church being baptized into the Catholic Church mm. um, so day by day that is that's the mantra of yeah, now man. because the year the years started off in a very abrupt and sort of shaking way and it, yeah. it made me think like I just can't spend another moment diddling in the past or being fearful of the future it's I just have to make sure that I prepare best for my future by doing well in the present, you know, and just only focusing on that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, man, you're spitting the truth. I appreciate it, man. I'm, it's wet all over. I've been <laughs> spitting all over the place. Do you want to, um, tell people maybe where they can like find your, see your stuff in the near future? You got a play coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Redondo beach performing arts center. Um, this coming weekend, not this weekend, but next weekend, and then Plummer Auditorium in Fullerton for three weekends. The Full Monty, um, a story about six steel workers who are out of work and struggling to maintain confidence, sanity, and you know their financial situations. So they turn to the classic. Um, practice of stripping for so I get down you to the full Monty. <laughs> that sounds awesome, man. Yeah, man. Mackin is giving me a high five. I am preparing to accept it, and it. you will hear it. Thanks, bud. Pretty straight on. And that's the show, friends. I hope you enjoyed that. I thought that was. Uh, pretty fucking cool conversation um yeah uh take care everyone have a great day bye